Can we rename the podcast the Stack Overflow Podcast? Not today. No, okay. Let's let's, let's hold future. off. We're gonna have to have a whole podcast about branding the podcast. Oh, no, God, this, <laughs> that's gonna be our last <laughs> listener is going to stop. We listening. should just even record an we'll argument about branding. Oh, <laughs> How to brand your podcast? The most boringly meta podcast ever recorded. <laughs> Could you imagine if we recorded like the last execu meeting, yeah. hour and a half argument about branding and just made that a podcast? <laughs> that would, that would been... be the most. Yeah. <laughs> the people that don't go to the executive meetings probably think that they're missing out, that we're sitting around gossiping It would be like listening them. to a train wreck. You would want to <laughs> scream wreck. at these people and yeah. be like, be do like, you hear what you're saying? Yeah, you're do it like you still can. <laughs> I was just told no one would be branded. It was very traumatic. No. Uh... <laughs> oh, I get it. You use branding that other way. It's because the word has two meanings, you see. Okay. And they're related. Are they? Yeah. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah. You I brand just, your cattle just, with your brand mark, which I, became your logo I mark. I etymologized it. It just took a minute. Good, good talk. Good yeah. talk, everyone. Let's start the podcast. Joel, go. This is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 65, recorded Tuesday, May 12th, 2015 at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York City, New York, where 8 million people enjoy the benefits of democracy, seven professional sports teams, and the Mets. Today's <laughs> podcast is brought to you by the Association of Airline Mile Programs, researching, discovering, and inventing bold new ways to keep you from using your miles. The Association of Airline <laughs> Mile Programs reminds you that flying blue miles transferred from American Express cannot be used without visiting your airport of departure and arrival with a birth certificate <laughs> and the doctor who issued it. And even then, you're not using those miles. So why don't you just go play in traffic on today's podcast? VP of Growth, Jay Hanlon. Good afternoon. VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. Good morning. And Ghost Producer Abby. Good 2.20 p.m. And with 900,000 useless British Airway miles, I am your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome back, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. It's good to be back. Especially after you fired me last time. We're not talking about that. Did I fire you last time? Yeah, on the, podcast? the last podcast, because it was so bad. Really? No, that didn't happen. I think I listened to some of that, and I don't remember firing you. He edited it out very skillfully. <laughs> he edited in a lot of things that I don't think really happened. <laughs> I was pretty sure that nobody left crying. Oh, I cried a lot. Okay. Well, let me tell you why I'm bitter about freaking flower miles. Let's talk about that. I spent three hours trying to make a reservation. It was the most complicated thing in the world where I had to put in all kinds of passport numbers and birth dates for all kinds of infant children of various people. That You're trying describing to fly the process of filling out an airline ticket. We understand. Yeah. Got it. it yeah. Is. Yeah. But it was for a family of five. Okay. And I'm transferring the miles from American Airlines to Flying Blue, which is KLM Air France. It's just one airline now, apparently. I think you mean a flying bleu. Bleu. Flying bleu. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Okay. And I transferred the miles in. And first I went on the website. I saw how many miles I needed. I needed 660,000, which is a lot. I transferred them in. <laughs> What's the circumference of the earth? <laughs> right. I know. Transferred them in. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, I went to the Air France US website instead of the regular Air France <laughs> website. 25,000 miles for the record. So 660,000 miles. Is... No, I only needed 300,000 miles if I went to the US website instead of the... Uh, but I'm like, okay, so now I'll have some extra miles. I fill out the whole thing. I get to the last page. Wait, I don't want to get lost. You've filled out the form now. Yeah. Okay. It's 240,000 no, no, it, miles listen, to the moon. this is an hour and a half to the lapse. <laughs> so 300,000 miles would get you to the moon. Let's just be clear. So, 
Side note, on it David Fullerton's really screen. It's not like one mile gets you one mile. Is the circumference of the earth. He had to look up in Google how big the earth is. Oh, you just happen to know that? 24,000 miles, miles around? You do not know that. Everybody knows that. You learned that in like second grade. No, I can barely thing. remember right. how many feet are in a dude, mile. Dude, right after 5, stalagmites something, go up, something. stalactites go down, was that? I and then know. I was homeschooled for two years. I missed a lot. I missed state capitals. I cannot believe I have not been mocking you for that all these weeks. I'm sorry, but Joel was just getting to the exciting part after he's okay, filled, so out he filled out the, the airline form. form. Yeah, I'm guessing you hit submit. <laughs> that I filled the form. Anyway, when I hit submit, they said, hey, guess what? You have to call Air France. Your reservation is I too I think you mean they said, Sacre Bleu. And I called Air France, and Air France said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to call Flying Blue. And I called Flying Blue, and they said, you have to go to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> they did not. I swear to God. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean I have to go to the airport? The airport of departure? They're like, yes. I'm like, that is Washington, D.C. I'm not going to the airport in Washington, D.C. To do this, they're like, hold please. You sure they didn't? You just can need go to you? the airport in New York if you okay, want. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> what, what? I'm like, this doesn't sound likely. It doesn't sound real, right? Like this is ridiculous. Well, what is supposed to happen when you arrive at the airport? Ah, like, well, I was curious about that, so I googled the hell out of this, and I found lots of other people that immediately that arrest him. <laughs> actually, that's what that's what's going to happen. No, I found lots of other people that it happened. And they said they went to the airport. They went to the desk, the Air France desk. Nobody had any idea what they were talking about. <laughs> And the people were completely unable. They had to wait, call wait, wait. Flying Blue on their cell phone, pass their cell phone over to the person at the Air France <laughs> desk at the airport. They talked in French for an hour, and then they went home without ever being able to get the tickets. Hey, if it would help, we have some people in the company who speak French. They might be able to. You could get. You could, I don't know if that's they really work the for you. I'm you could force right them to talk to these people in French. I don't. I think that they would say the same thing. They the French say, can be very difficult. Allez, I'm just going to make Holt. sweeping generalizations about an entire. Yeah. Ethnic and linguistic group. Well, they have created a difficult... So I guess it turns out that if you transfer miles from membership miles into your Flying Blue account, then you might as well just kill yourself because you're not going to fly anywhere. It's just not going to happen. Well, that's good to know. I'm going to write that down in case that comes up for me. Yeah. I had to get a passport issued, a passport yeah. for a human being who's never had one. And I only yeah. had to walk about a block and a half I know, in person I know. to achieve such a feat. Go to the airport. is like, I know we will make them go to the airport and they will never use their miles. It's such, the whole thing is such a scam because American Express gave them $6,600 for my 660,000 miles, which they then proceeded to not turn into that sounds, a ticket wait, that I No, wanted. that sounds like a great business model. I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful scam. Wait, wait. What if we set up a yeah. company that American Airlines can transfer miles to American and then Express. we give yeah. American Express sure. and then we give nothing in return? Yeah. You can, that's, that's just an airline. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I that's think what in, airlines are. This in sounds like fairness, a great business model. We'd probably do it, podcasts about it for them. Somehow they still their... managed to lose money, even with the business model of stealing money from American Express and not letting people Well, they've got to pay for all these support people to give you the runaround on the phone. <laughs> they have to have somebody very, at the airport. The person too. was very inexpensive. The person was not getting paid <laughs> more right. than a couple of What's miles. What's clear is that story is a perfect <laughs> metaphor for the other uh, things we want to talk yeah, about on this that, podcast. That leads right into new features in the Stack Exchange Network that we were going to talk about, actually. Okay, good. So some of the things Great we're working segment, on that are, that are very similar to that. <laughs> I'm just telling you stories, man. That's all. <laughs> you work with the hand you're dealt, uh, man. <laughs> good work, everyone. High fives all around. Whee! Yeah, just a few things we want to talk about. And then we're going to talk about one in sort of in-depth. So site designs, the design team actually has been doing a lot. These are easy to miss, but well, everyone saw when we updated Stack Overflow and changed the angle on the Stack Overflow logo. I'm not sure actually anybody even posted on Meta about that, but that happened. So anyway, we're going through and we're updating all the site designs, which turns out to be a lot of work. It turns out that 
The downside to giving every graduated site a custom design is that you, when you want to roll out something new, such as the user profile, you have to design it 50 times. Yeah. Just to clarify, we're not redesigning these sites, right? We're, no. we're tweaking, we're kind of updating, and we're implementing a standardized So we're standardizing uh, them a bit. And yeah, we redid the whole CSS, which is, I know, fascinating to our listeners. But making that all smoother so we can roll out the new user profile. And then along the way, we're kind of modernizing a few of the sites that desperately needed it. So if you look at Ask Different. Flatterer. You can't really even. It's flatter. Jo- I showed it to Joel and he couldn't tell the difference, but it is a lot flatter and more oh, in keeping wow. with Apple's design guidelines. You know what which we should do that flat. would be really funny? We should just have like a bunch of little squares of different sizes arranged in a like a puzzle <laughs> form, like one of those puzzles where you slide the squares up and down. A site cloud type. Oh yeah, a couple of yeah, them. Yeah, no, like um, I think like Windows Eight, basically. That's the joke I'm trying to tell. Yeah, you. yeah, we made oh, everything with flat. The tie- I see which. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, yep. the metro. metro. Well, you don't know what tiles? to touch. You don't know what is what is no. interfaceable. What yeah, is some a, things you can there's touch. There's no affordance. It's affordance list. <laughs> it's affordance list. That's a general life like rule. Some things you, you can touch. You can transfer your miles <laughs> into flying blue, <laughs> but you never know if you're going to be able to fly somewhere. Okay. And the, one other big note. You probably won't. If you have a retina screen, they're Unless much more beautifulized. Yes, and Huge difference. everybody should go to Android Enthusiasts, android.stackexchange.com, and play with the animations on the upvote and downvote arrows because they're spectacular. Curtis. Where? Or, on what site? Wait, on where? Android. Go to Android and pick a random Android question, a random deserving question, and upvote Too late! Android.stackexchange. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay, and then pick a question. Yeah, There's so much fun. You're going to want to just beautiful. up and down vote this Super question beautiful. over and over again. Inaccurate readings of battery level. Not uncommon. You know. Okay, yeah, that was animated. That's cool. Can we do that everywhere? No. Yeah. That's, we're going to have animations everywhere? Wait, why is this even a topic for this podcast? Because it's cool. Everyone's okay. going to go look at it and play with it. Woo. But wait, I keep clicking the upvote button, and the first time my score goes up, as I would expect, because I'm winning the game, but the second time I click it, my score goes down again. I don't that's, understand that's what's That's not happening. your score. That's, that's the question. How score. do I win this game? Good story. Okay actually related to Android and iOS mobile updates. We've released updates for both of our mobile apps on Android and iOS with lots of fixes and Android. Windows Phone? Uh, um, we're we're Sorry, um, in no mood today. <laughs> <laughs> we're still working on the Windows Phone version. Uh, six to eight weeks on that one. Okay. So new updates That's to those what apps. Six to eight weeks means. Yeah, it does. It means six to eight weeks. We that it just it just means like thirteen to twenty three weeks. Oh, you're Doesn't right. Mean never. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Status declined. No, what we decided was it would be cheaper to hire a person to go notify the guy with the Windows phone whenever he gets a notification. That's right. Just to follow him around. <laughs> tell him an what's With an Android no. phone. And then he can go to the web browser. Apparently in some parts of the Ukraine. Actually, it would probably be cheaper Windows to Windows phone is very common. All 12 of the people who are asking for the Windows phone app, we should just buy them an Android phone. That would definitely be cheaper. Yep. Good plan. Okay. Other things we're working on. If you work for Microsoft and you want us to do a Windows phone... <laughs> Get people Send to buy them. Patches welcome. Check for hundred thousand dollars. That's not going to happen. No, we, that's not true. If there were more users, we'd develop for it. The new Windows OS is going to allow for running Android and iPhone apps anyway. Yeah, even Microsoft that's is giving up that's on this. That's very weird. They're going to run iPhone apps on the desktop. Is that what they said? No, I think they allow you to cross port. They're not actually going to run. Are oh, they? okay. I, I didn't read the article. I just saw the headline. To be honest, so I have no idea. We'll believe it about. when we see it. Well, that's like their new code editor, right? Okay. That was a different headline, but that's okay. No, no, no. Their new code editor, one of the big surprises I thought in it was it was designed to essentially be very focused on dealing with Objective-C, right? All right. Which, of course, is a little behind the times now that Swift is out. You mean Visual Studio running on Mac, which is a slightly different version of Visual Studio. Yes. 
Right. They want you to be able to actually use it for things you might actually want to develop on a Mac, like right, but which is apps. which is a bit of a departure from Microsoft, right? Yes, yeah, so the new Microsoft. It is the new. The Microsoft. new. Okay. Open to the community, Microsoft. All right. Last one before we get to the main thing. I promise. Any more animations? No, no more animations. <laughs> Sorry, I got nothing there. I'm just gonna go hang out in my office for a couple hours. Let me know. We'll update you. you. We'll update you. Some behind the scenes things. So we're doing a lot of cool kind of data stuff. Big thing there, are kind of careers matching, being able to match you with better ads in the sidebar, better job ads. But also we're basically using that to recommend jobs to people who go to careers now. Mm -hmm. And that's related to the stuff we're using to like recommend you questions on the homepage. So there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we should really, we wrote some blog posts on part of it, but there's a lot that we're doing there that's cool to target stuff and, and recognize what you're interested in. The other thing we're working on there is this next answer hook stuff that Kevin Montres is working on, which is trying to, if you answer a question, recommend you similar questions that you might be able to also answer. So we're doing a bunch of experiments on that, basically, to try to help you find things that you can answer. So those are all things that we're working on. The big thing that we launched since the last podcast is the new user profile, which Jay is going to talk about. What? Someone really should have warned me about this. You wrote the blog post, right? So I assume you know something about it. That's what we were going to talk about on the podcast. Today. I did. I did. I did. We wrote a blog post. Use we your we shipped a big thing. Use your profile. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. It has. So that's one of the things I want to talk about a little bit. Is I think I seem to remember, <laughs> <laughs> like like a year ago. Soon we'll be you yelling at our our now dearly departed product manager, who will go unnamed, who was at the time already designing a new version of the user profile, right? I don't remember yelling at him, but yes, Jeremy did a bunch of great work on the user He was going profile. to go unnamed. Kevin says two years. It's been two. more than two years. Uh, two years. where you count. Two years of glory. If you squint like hard enough, time. we have always been working on the user profile. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I think the... Oh, and he's alive. <laughs> <laughs> Be clear, dearly departed does not mean that he died. The second, exchange, depart. the second exchange podcast would like to <laughs> correct an error time. made. He's dead to in a previous us, segment of dead. the recording. He is not late. Kevin clarifies he moved to Texas, yeah, which not. may not be the same as being alive. Right. When we said Jeremy right. was dead, we meant he did good work, left the company, and yeah. has a different job now that is yeah. completely unrelated to being deceased in any way. So maybe to make it clear, I should have said the late Jeremy. I'm not sure that would have helped. <laughs> no, no. You should have said fewer things. So I guess let's quickly talk about what's going on today. And then I think we'll go back in time. And we'll talk about, because today we get to be happy a little bit. And then we'll go back to all the things that we should be unhappy and embarrassed and feel deep shame about. I don't know if your sitcom format is really living up to. <laughs> wait, wait till we get to the deep shame part. You're going to like it. Okay. What you want to do is you want to introduce like the storm before the whatever the, you know, the. No, this is so dark. We have yeah. to foreshadow the happy ending or people will give up and stop listening. Yeah, they already did. <laughs> <laughs> I think we that, started with I think that ship sailed at roughly Stack Exchange podcast number two. Yep. Yep. The stop no, listening I mean, risk. I say my dad has been listening all this time, but this one he has pretty much given up on. <laughs> this makes sense. So today, I think most of the listeners of this podcast, I think, are, are generally familiar with what we've done with the new profile. But a very quick overview, if you've accidentally yeah. were hoping to hear a good podcast. It's all new. It's all cool. It's been split in two. Let me yeah, let's Joel, see. Joel, you do. You right. did see, let's see how, how closely you've been paying attention. Because uh, okay. some of these listeners just want to know if Adnan did it or not. And they just downloaded the wrong thing and they have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Who? Adnan. Adnan. Did he kill... Ba really? Okay. All right, you do your summary of the podcast. I'll explain what's going on in Serial later. 
Oh, it's a different podcast. I have some bad news for you about You're the ending. They downloaded the completely wrong podcast. They I, were trying I, to get the Adam Carolla. I thought podcast. we were talking about the user profile. Oh, it would be great. That'd be you were going to tell us all about the user profile. It split like a multiple personality disorder kind of situation into two profiles: the profile that you see and the profile that other people see. Yes. The profile that you see is full of all kinds of information, like your heart rate, how long you've been running. <laughs> you may the be thinking about the Apple other Watch. Other people see yes. is they're your very best three pictures from Facebook. <laughs> And that, some volunteer work that you've done. That was surprising. I was closer than I thought you were going to get, actually. Yeah. Surprisingly correct. Just put a little stack of bin on that whole thing. Yeah, and as we go through this, I think what we're going to demonstrate was that would have been closer to an actual a goal statement than we actually had when we started that's, this thing. So yeah. it wasn't bad. Yeah. So the key thing, obviously, is we split it into the two pieces, as you said. Right. And on the profile side, you show other people. I think the few things that Multiple are- Multiple personality disorders. New- one is just it's a better selection for others. So it doesn't default show your most recent stuff. It shows kind of your top posts. So if I go look and see who who is Phil Johnson, I'm interested in like what are his best posts, not the one he posted yesterday probably. So it's selecting stuff better. It lets you define more of what's in there. So in addition to the about me, you've got stuff like social media. So if you want to share your good work elsewhere, whether it's on Twitter or GitHub, there's special fields for that. And a lot of people have filled in either Twitter or GitHub profiles. Twithub. Twithub. The Twithubbers, the Twithub books, the, you know, the kids, the socials. How about any other websites? Those are the only two with dedicated fields, but there is a freeform field where you can put your own blog or anything else you want. And over time, we're going to actually just see what people use the most and then create little custom icons for those to make them more obviously recognized. Yeah. Insta. Insta, whatever. And yeah. I still don't really. WhatsApp. We'll talk. Snapchat. You, you can explain about Grinder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think this is. I thought this might be the podcast that nobody said Grinder. It is not the case. Okay. Yeah. Has this come up before? <laughs> I'm going to really trying not to make a pun. Okay. Okay. And the profile, it's also a little, it's dynamic based on activity. So one of the things we did there is if you don't have anything in the bottom, if you haven't posted yet, there's a little bit of a sense if you fill out a profile and it mostly throws zeros in your face. And so what this one does a little better is the whole top section is stuff you define in the bottom uh, kind of defaults to like, there's no activity yet. And it's like a little like, go do some stuff instead of it being zero, zero, zero. And on the activity page, and we'll come back to this a little bit, but I think there's a whole bunch of really newer features there. So there's a new statistic people reached, we'll talk about a little bit. There's progress bars, and we think these are kind of key drivers in some of the activity we're seeing. The progress bars basically show what you've already done. So your progress toward either a privilege or a badge, all the activities you did that suggest you are getting close to something, and what you'll get if you get there what privilege is next or what badge you are closest to earning. And then we also, this is one of the first times really we've put badges or privilege in front of people who aren't digging deep. So generally speaking, you see badges as kind of a, hey, guess what? You got this thing. And privileges too, really, you've got to kind of dig deep. Privileges in particular, you have to go into the help center and click kind of eight levels deep to kind of hear about the next one or, or see much of it. And on the activity page, one of the things I think is important in the design is we didn't mess with the bottom because it's been sort of optimized over time and was really working well for users. But I don't talk too much about... <laughs> is that really why? I thought, I thought the reason we didn't change the bottom was because we were so exhausted after changing the top we'll get to that, that we gave up and shifted. I, I feel like if you let me at the other two-thirds of that page in just, let's extrapolate <laughs> four more years. In four years, in four I, years. Could, I could really optimize the crap out of those pages. Yeah, We actually had a design for the bottom that Did? we got like three-quarters of the way through, and then we were like, hmm, this is going to take three more months to implement. The, the whole thing not. was starting to look like one of those infographics from two years ago when they used to have infographics everywhere. No, this was, was too you didn't see designed. this one. We moved the tabs to the left, yeah. and we moved everything around. And That's always good. That's always good. We added a new tab that required us to rewrite <laughs> SQL from scratch to yeah. actually calculate. When, <laughs> when you say move the tabs to the left, I'm envisioning us all. We're like yeah. sitting in a room, and it, it's like a jury after move like 70 hours of deliberating, and like we got our hair 
hair pulled out and like, like everyone's like, got yeah. coffee on their shirt. It's like or a like, 400 it's, it's gotta feel more transcript comes out and of that meeting. The, the designer just turns his laptop sideways. He's like, what if the tabs were on the left? Yeah. Oh, and then we're all high-fiving each other and slapping each other on the back. Yes! And we're like, yeah! And it's like a Michelobad. Got it. Okay, so okay. today, let's talk today, and then we'll, then we'll go back in time. And overall, I think the feedback's been phenomenal. We were a little bit embarrassed. We learned a lot about how, how we got here, but I think we're, we're really proud of where we landed. The feedback meta, it's the second most upvoted feature on MetaStack Exchange ever. The meta feedback was really, really, really positive. One of the things I kind of liked a lot, the people reach score, I think we've talked about it here before, people reach is the first time we've really tried to find a way to demonstrate to people how far their posts go here. So one of the things we think is not emphasized enough in the system is when you contribute here, whether it's asking a great question that people then put great answers to or you answer, you're helping this one person, but then that interchange, right, is used by all these other people. So hundreds or often thousands of people see that post and get use out of it. And I think that's one of the most motivating factors. Uh, it's kind of like why do people contribute to Wikipedia instead of Tom's knowledge base of things he's interested in. Why are you going to be so mean to Tom? You know, Tom and his, Tom's always, look at my knowledge base. <laughs> um, and, and there's really, there's not a lot there, but some I tried to send semi-erotic drawings that. that Tom's into, and I don't like them. They make me feel weird. About the, the great ripoff that is the Flying Blue Miles program. <laughs> <laughs> And Tom was like, this is not about airline programs. This is a hardware website. I don't care about American Express membership miles. So I'm like, screw you. I'll just take my information and I'll put it on my own podcast. What? I wish I'd known that when Joel had started that story, I could have said, but Joel, yeah. this is a hardware website. And that would have had some hope of redirecting. Anyway, yeah. but so the people reach score gives people, I think, a, a much better sense of sort of how many people they reached. Well, how how far it goes. This this. <laughs> Wait, this is, sorry, the fact that even I know the answer to this means we must have discussed this a couple of times on the podcast. No. Did okay. we never you on remember, this podcast talk about the You remember the, the three months reached? of arguing over what it should be called? Yeah. You had a long argument with the community. This is literally the called. first time no, on the podcast no. that we talked about number of people helped, number of people I reached. You're not even telling that story right. So the, the, what happened there is we started from people helped, and the point yeah. was it was really to evoke this notion of sort of how many people benefit, right? Yeah. And sure. helped was picked somewhat deliberately because it seemed obvious you were not trying to convey some fact that might not be true. We can't possibly <laughs> know how many people are helped. It, it seemed very clear that it was deliberately highlighting the fact that it's an estimate. And what happened then actually was that there was a lot of pushback from the community. And I think ultimately we were convinced that it was too distracting. It just, it made people focus on what was yeah, wrong with it. To be clear, but their objection get, was... It wasn't Joel arguing with us. We finally said, you know what? The community finds this too distracting or technically inaccurate or et cetera. And so we changed it. And then what Joel was arguing was that, no, we should change it back. Right. I almost cried. I was like, I've already lost this argument and I refuse to take the other side and have it again now. I just need to look at the way it is. Yeah. You um, caved. You well, caved for the community no, but pressure. I think, no, in this case, I think at the end of the day, the community has embraced it and wasn't before. And I think from the community feedback, we got to a very good, the best indication that I think it worked is people are taking great pride in it. So like, if you look on Twitter, there's all these people essentially, you know, tweeting out, According to my Stack Overflow profile, I've reached 1.2 million people. Not too shabby. Wow. 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 I'm liking the if new- those were frequent fire miles. <laughs> <laughs> you could turn them in for a voucher for a free drink on Southwest. We should let people turn in rep for t-shirts. No, we should pay them. No, we should hire them full time. No, this is no, all going to break no, down. No. Oh. Anyway, people come here to help people. And I think what we've done is we've given people a way to better measure. This is the most important their help thing. Goes. It's just everybody always has to remember about Stack Overflow is you're not helping the person that you're That's ostensibly right. answering their question. Although you might be, 
you're also helping a thousand people who will come along after and read this stuff that you've written. Yes. That's right. There's two big things. Is one is it really helps you appreciate. And that's a thousand times more people. That wait, if you took that many people, yeah. and you stacked them on top, right? How many people high would it be? Yeah. To put it in perspective, really, it's sort of what I'm imagining. It's how many airline miles would it? How many airline miles would it take to fly <laughs> that distance if you laid them end on end, head to foot? So anyway, I think one thing is it does really help people take pride in what they've done and the difference they've made here. And also, I think, to your point, it reinforces a lot of the things about our system that are weird, that seem picayune and silly. You know, why do we edit out thanks? Yeah, I don't know if I use picayune. Do you still know, edit out thanks? Yeah, we, we do a lot. It's and just thanks, a waste of time. It's noise. No, it's right. noise. And thanks is a good example. People actually argue like when someone writes like, please, and someone edits it out. And I go, yeah, I don't know if they need it to. Thanks they do because thanks attracts nine more thankses. Oh, and yeah, that is, is the, you know, thanks multiple. Let me tell you what I would finally. Thanks are the kudzu of the comment section on Stack Overflow. Yeah. Every once in a while, I would receive an email from somebody thanking me for something that I had done. Oh, it's the worst. It is. No, wait. <laughs> but, and then Sorry, my temptation I feel like was, you've taken this in the wrong direction. <laughs> I should reply to all emails. So the tendency was, like, somebody would write to me and say, hey, thank you very much for coming and sponsoring that thing or going to that whatever or speaking at this, that, or the other thing. And my tendency was like, oh, you're welcome. Thank you for hosting me. That's pretty wonderful. And then I realized this can just go back and forth forever. Yeah, it's the worst. Do you know what happens when you start being civil and polite to people? No, no, it no. just keeps happening. It's no, so no, annoying. No, no, no. It can it goes in. That's different. It's okay to continue to be civil and polite. It's when you got to ping pong back and forth and every thank you demands another thank you. And then that thank you demands a thank you. Mm. And so I decided I draw the line at thank yous on thank yous. So if somebody is merely writing to thank write you thank you, thank you, I don't have to thank them for the thank you. That is where I will draw the line. And that, will, that just ends the dumb little shitty ping pong game that we're playing. I've actually heard two of my relatives get into somewhere between a discussion and an argument over whether a thank you gift requires an acknowledgement or a thank you back. So when someone does something nice and you send flowers to say, thanks so much yeah. for doing that for me. Are you supposed to acknowledge those flowers or it really is a thank you not require a thank you back? Yeah, I think, exactly. you know, we should devote a whole podcast to this topic. I want to circle back to it so it gets Can the attention Can we include thank you yeah. cards? We should actually... No, that's a whole... That's really... Uh, I'm just not Yeah, would you write a thank you? <laughs> no, I'm thinking about like Let's you get a bread and butter. an airline doesn't do what they're contractually <laughs> obligated to do <laughs> with regard to their promotional loyalty program. <laughs> yes. Would you thank them? No. So the new user profile. Does so, anybody these days know what a bread and butter letter is? Is that still a word? Or no, I've never heard of that. Used... I do it's not a letter know that you that send is. somebody when you stay at their house. It sounds like a weird urban dictionary if thing. If you stayed at someone's house and you, you write them, them a letter flowers. thanking them, that letter is called a bread and butter letter, the card that you send somebody for staying at their house. And it does not, does not require reciprocation. Dear English, thank you. I would like to know the etymology of the phrase bread and butter letter and why it is called the bread and butter letter, I'm even Googling though. I'm Googling this. No, it's a mystery, it's more exciting to everyone. Plus, we'll get more signups on English.StackExchange.com, the best English site on the internet. Yeah. Got a result from the yeah, blushing I hostess. Got right. I got it right. I got it right. Oh, it's extinct. In, in 2013, it, it went extinct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Until now. Are there like anthropologists? Who, who tracks that? When, when is that official? I'm just reading the internet. Let's bring it back. Let's okay. bring back the bread and butter letter. Okay. Although, it, it'll be new fan. Okay. You know, bread so, and butter Snapchat. If you, in, if you enjoyed you this podcast, please mail Joel Spolsky a card. Yeah. Thanking him for this podcast. That's yeah. how we're going to bring it back. You can find our address on the website. No, but you see, the whole point about the thank you 
is that we delete the thank you so that you say, why the hell did you delete my thank you? And then we have a teaching opportunity where we can, in our school marmish way, say, if you want to say thank you, go ahead and just upvote the answer or even better, pay it forward by answering somebody else's question. But then you click upvote and it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, because you can't get well, you, you could comment, logged on. you could say yeah. thank you. But the thing there, and I think that there's an interesting side effect there. So there's a reason we added out those thanks is they're noise and they push answers down, right? Is, a, is the simplest thing. It actually makes it harder for the, the yeah, next. Yeah. Also, it's we the want to teach we... you that we have a thank you button. Well, there's that. I, would, I wouldn't argue those. We'd allow both, thank you button. We, we'd allow both. That, we wouldn't delete your thanks if that was only. We'd actually no, just... I, I think if you go back and listen to the podcast, you'll find Jeff somewhere saying, no. Yeah, but this is where. exactly one way of thanking. Yeah, but this is how we get into But we're trying to clean up the noise, right? That was the whole thing we started to create. And you still see this when you land on a crap forum page. And you're like, you get the like hundreds of me too's number forty three point two, or the hundreds of thank yous, right? It's From just December all noise. 16, 2009. But this and this leads to, frankly, I think that it, the reason it's on Im- this topic. Speaking <laughs> of which, wait, hold on a sec. Remember when you started working here, Jay? You said you listened to all the old Stack Overflow podcasts. To be fair, I listened to all the ones I could get on iTunes, which excludes oh, some of the original really? Stack Overflow ones. I got all the I got Stack them all. Exchange. I now have them all on my hard drive. Oh. I got one through the entire. St- no, not Stack Exchange. Stack Overflow ones. I've listened to With all the Stack Exchange and the we ones on Stack Overflow that are still there. We recovered the lost podcasts. Ooh. I have them all. I would like. Them. Oh, I didn't realize they were lost. Well, they're not available. They were lost. Yeah, they're not. Wow. Okay, I got them all. So here's the question: It's about 86 hours. So that's pretty much. I don't even want to tell you how long I have to wait at the airport to use up that many hours. <laughs> Do you think we could like somehow divide them up among people and get them edited down to the two hours or three hours that actually matter and then make a canonical, here is a three-hour greatest hits of the original podcast, where it's stuff that actually like became a part of how the site works, like actual conversations between me and Jeff that actually became part of the site. If we just got everybody to do I think, two podcasts I don't and know. just tell me what the best Don't put it all are. together. Actually, edit it down to like the 30-minute conversations that are interesting and make yeah. that a series it, of separate. It, okay, if but you there's a hear lot about of this. nonsense where Jeff and right. I are talking about, you know, like Visual Basic versus Visual C Sharp. And- yeah, the, the reason you can't distill it as densely as you want to is it just wasn't designed for that. Like you don't have a two-minute yeah. segment. You probably, when it gets good, you've got 20 minutes that you need the okay, whole 20 minutes. you could probably eliminate, of those 80-odd hours, yeah, you yeah. probably eliminate 60 of them or 70 of them. That just, just not on topic yes. or that just didn't turn out to be relevant or that were repetitive. I mean, we used to take phone calls from, from listeners. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Do you remember? But they weren't live. They were like, no. you could send in your recording. That's right. You want to hear one? No. no. <laughs> Sorry, I got them all now. No. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. We here, should here, go. I'm going to play just for fun. I'm going to play the very beginning of the very first. Jolie? Jolie, is that you? It's, it's your mother. No, it's the. Is this your podcast? The very first episode of what we hope will become a weekly podcast. Do we have a name for this podcast? See, we didn't even have a name. It was awful. It was awful. I'm sorry. Are we playing podcasts on the podcast right now? Is that what's going on? I have I to say, we we're going to get a listener question. Here's what we should do. That excerpt made me feel less bad about these podcasts. I'm going to go ahead and send producer Abby a copy of this WAV file, and we're going to edit it in at the end of this one. <laughs> Is really a WAV? So if you keep listening to the end, you'll hear the very first Stack Overflow podcast. From back in time. I rescued this off of a hard drive that was about to get recycled. So I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You talk about like you saved a puppy. 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 Okay. What were we talking? Oh, I'm Profile. sorry. Back to, no, back to airline People miles. Reached. No, please. Please. <laughs> email such a big file. Can you email like 40 meg files around? I <laughs> transfer <laughs> <laughs> such a large file. Actually, you know, that's trick when you have like a jillion gig file that you're trying to transfer. You're not sure what's, what's just drag it into Trello. Trello will take anything. You can suck up an outrageously large file and they just, for this they just pay Amazon some bill and then someone else can pull it down. Okay. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Trello, you may Audio not be familiar, editor, is the simplest way say Asana instead of Trello. <laughs> to get perspective. 
Whether you're running a Kanban board or planning a pet wedding, Trello can get the job done. Okay. Uh, today, I really try to get back to the past on the profile. The most interesting thing about the profile, we had hoped, like we said, it's the first time sort of we put badges in front of you. So go do make more edits and you can get this editor badge. And also, if you continue to answer questions, you can uh, earn the next privilege. And here's what the privilege is. And there was a whole bunch of things that were sort of trying to expose something to work toward and also show you how to get it. So with badges, if it says to make edits, it actually shows you questions that likely need some help and gives you a place to do it. You can click through a little call to action there. And so one of the things we were hoping for is the combination of sort of reinforcing people feeling good about what they'd done by showing them what they'd done that worked well, and also showing them what to do next. And for like for new users, one thing we didn't mention, the page is kind of dynamic. So for new users, aside from displaying different stuff, it's also basically jumping to go check out the tour. You want to check out the tour to earn this badge. And then when you do that, it's basically saying, answer your first question, et cetera. And one thing we were hoping is that essentially giving people a little bit of guidance and also showing them what things they were close to would motivate them to do more of those actions and figure out what actions were most useful for them and might be fun. And so we wanted to measure a whole bunch of statistics around that. And we expected to get kind of small incremental lifts in certain activities. Looking at sort of what's happened, there's obviously big short-term pops in things like profile edits. No big surprise there. That won't hold very, very long. We'll probably get a small lift over time. But obviously, once you update your profile, you don't have to update it again for a long time. But you could. You could. Just for fun. And so things like that obviously popped in a short-term way. What's more interesting, we have four- Can I put an animated GIF as a background image for uh, the entire uh, wallpaper of uh, my I'm profile? I'm sorry. Are you talking about a giraffical interface file? I'm not sure. I'm thinking- If you're going to call it a giraffical. GIF, it should be about giraffical or something that starts with that sound. It's a GIF. I don't care what the inventor calls it. It's wrong. <sighs> I'm thinking like in MySpace, I used to be able to say like the background color background. could be like flying stars. That should be a privilege. You should Dancing propose answers. that on the thread about new privilege levels. Ah, for, for brilliant. 50,000 and you can have. That's like on Hacker News. If you get <laughs> to, enough karma, you can change the color of the top bar. <laughs> the color of the top bar. That's so lame. <laughs> Only for you. <laughs> I want a video of John Skeet with uh, the pony, uh, Tony the Pony. Yeah. Doing an animated Tony the Pony kind of situation on the background of my no, profile. that's going to be at the John Skeet rep level. You don't even have enough rep to earn that privilege. Yeah. Just a quick fun side note on John Skeet is the number of people reached. John Skeet's number of people reached last time I saw was 114.4 million. He's believe, <sighs> the only person over yeah. 100 million. And in fact, wow. on John Skeet's wow. new activity page, his yeah. impact box, the box that has like the people reached and then like your edits, your mm -hmm. useful flags, and all this stuff, the box is misaligned with the others because it is slightly too big to accommodate his number of people reached. Oh, that so happens we have stretches. We have deliber we've deliberately not fixed time. it. We just left it because it seems appropriate. Like the box is has he just stretched. We get the worst and he's the only one. He's the only one. <laughs> John Skeet's like, I don't know about those guys. They kind of lie. He breaks layouts left and right. But so anyway, back to the statistics. Got it. We got four weeks of data, and we're obviously this the profile is no longer the blog isn't sending people there, and so it seems to be kind of back to semi normal behavior. And what's been cool is we've seen fairly meaningful lifts in a lot of the activities that it is encouraging. We can't A-B test the new profile, obviously. You can't have it on half the site. And so what we did is we kind of baselined off things like traffic. So the question views is essentially unchanged over this period. So the same rough amount of traffic is coming in. But what we're seeing is, and there's some cool charts because everything is very, very flat. There's not a lot of noise in these. We basically saw votes are the most impacted, partly because they're easy to do. They add up to a whole bunch. There's a couple of badges, and you can just do a lot more. Votes are up almost 15%. 
since the profile launched, and it's a very clean it's pop. Crazy. So it really didn't move, didn't move, didn't move. Then boom, 15% It's down for Easter, actually. The one thing you can see is it drops a little bit for Easter, and then it's up 15%. It just stays there. Wow. This is amazing. Have you talked about this at the Society of VPs of Community Growth? Because this is the kind of stuff that they love, right? They're this like, the and then we did a thing, and then I got 15% more votes. This is the kind of presentation that could get such a society founded, finally. My letters, <laughs> my letters <laughs> to letters the too. head of society, yeah, the society, society. society. <laughs> uh, will now go answer, because <laughs> I have statistics. We'll statistics. Be <laughs> so votes are about 15%. Very bold, very bold. Edits are up about 10%. That's crazy. Both questions and answers, wow. again, heavily yeah. heavily sort of incentivized around badges. There's a lot of badges. So that everybody's just all of a sudden interested in like, oh, I got the next badge coming up. So there's, I think a lot of that's the badge. And I think also part of it is Great. answers. Answers yeah. are up between 5 and 6%. Now, I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a little thing there that's telling you. Sorry, I should actually look at it so that I know. No, everyone knows what I mean by little thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's telling you the next badge. And it's saying, in my case, it's proofreader. And I can earn a proofreader by approving or rejecting suggested edits. All right, I'll do that. Good example of why edits are up. So here's my question. Oh, that's why. No, no that's. Oh, because I could approve them? No, that wouldn't. Oh, sorry. Nope. That, that was a bad example. Here's Copy the question. Copy would be a better one. <laughs> of all the people that go to this profile page and see next badge, and it's telling them to do something, and then they're going and doing that. Yes. Like, what percentage of those people is it actually telling them about a badge that we really want them to earn, and what percentage is it telling them about some kind of badge that just coincidentally the algorithm has chosen for them to earn next? Well, I think we deliberately don't show the badges that encourage things like arson or shoplifting anymore. No, no, those aren't badges, though. Those are anti-badges. Those are ASMO, <laughs> ASMO badges. We only promote certain badges, so we didn't So we didn't even do progress for all the badges. So, yeah, there's yeah. essentially... Jen Erickson did a lot of the work kind of... So we have already optimized which things we're telling you to go earn based on what this, this stuff that yeah, we Yeah, let, let me give you the bit. So let's get the details. It's kind of fun. Because I'm like, this is... in the next thing that they're going to tell you in the Society of Growth Hackers is... <laughs> Well, what percentage of that? And you That's like, the meanest well, thing you ever said. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, no. The next thing we're going to say is like, well, why don't you mess around with what the next badge is until you actually like tweak those numbers even better, get 15% edits up to 17% and then get it up to 19% by tweaking that. And then pretty soon, you know, then you're making it bigger yeah. and then you're making yep. it gold and then you're making it bold and then you're calling it frequent flyer miles. <laughs> Bold and gold sounds like a movie I would not watch without getting some background oh. information first. It sounds, sounds <laughs> well, a little dated. So, da, 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 da. Starring Cher. The, ooh, now I am interested. So, badges. So, the first thing it recommends. Okay. The engine's, it's about as smart as it could be given how quickly we banged it out. Because everything gets out of the end. Yeah. But it starts with sort of what we call onboarding badges. So, in the beginning, it's trying to get you to do like the basics. The first thing it really wants you to do is to fill out your profile. And to go see the tour. So new mm. users are basically, they're given these kind of four onboarding tasks to go check out the tour so they okay. can learn the ropes. So it is very intentional. The choice of what we yes. show you there is so, very, well, very much. You know, there's, there's room for optimization. I, know, I think we should go back to calling it the game coach instead of oh, next no. badge. So, game coach. so it's your robot game coach. Because you know what everyone who arrives on Stack Overflow so clear, is super into? Sports metaphors. <laughs> like all great ideas, this idea was actually Joel's originally but Thank it worked you. differently and had a different name no <laughs> well yes but to be clear it was originally it the game exactly coach like and it was going to be in the, in mobile, the mobile app that's true and it was going to be yeah. a screen in the mobile app you could go to that Just would tell every you once what in a while the stuff would come in your feed like you would have this feed and the stuff in the feed would be like hey you're only 13 points away from proofreader so the basic thing it does after the onboarding Two is flights it's, to houston <laughs> it's showing you the badge that you are essentially percent close <laughs> Closest to, with some filtering. On United Airlines metal. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, we didn't even get to all the dumb things I did. This is. I feel like we're not I even... I think we got to plenty of dumb things. I'm not worried about that. Single oh, aisle airliners do not qualify. Okay. 
so the way it picks the badges, so it's essentially, before the filters, I'll get the filters one second, is it's picking the badge you are the closest to in percentage terms, which yeah. is for two reasons. One is it's highlighting a thing that you actually seem to like to do. So one reason it would pick, if you have, you know, 90 oh, edits wow. and you have 100 edits, it's picking an activity you seem to like and say, hey, keep doing this thing you've already yeah. demonstrated some interest in, right. and you'll earn some recognition. That's cool. And then the second one is a little bit more, more like nudgy, is it's just very satisfying and motivating to see a thing that you are mostly achieved already. Like, yeah. Right. And so I think that. Oh, I see. Like, it doesn't want to tell me uh, you are miles and miles right. and miles. You are away. 1% of right. the way to right. cleaning the Aegean right. stables and right. defeating the Minotaur. Yeah. Like, it just feels yeah. oppressive. Or do you use a. Do we just throw in an ancient Greek reference? 37 more Check flights. Check out our new site, mythology.stackexchange.com, an actual site that we have now. Just 37 <laughs> more flights from Burbank to Las Vegas, and you can be on your way <laughs> to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! We're, uh, this is we're going to get an airline sponsor who is not the one you're talking about. <laughs> not, no. <laughs> but to your earlier point, so yeah. it likes to pick one that you have great progress toward. Right, in, is right. the suggestion? Smart. However, it's yeah. filtered, and there's kind of two levels Sounds of filters. Like we've already thought this through beyond any possible ability to improve. Ah, it could get better. We're eager if people have suggestions, but it should be not stupid what it suggests. Yeah. We don't even let you pick things you can't go after at all, like other people like sharing your posts. There's stuff like that mm. you can't select. And then there's some will let you select if you're super into it, but we don't really encourage. So some are in the chooser, but we'd never recommend them. There's kind of three levels of trackability. That is interesting. So for the people that are listening at home, you may not have noticed there's a little tiny gear next to that little progress indicator. When you click it, you can actually choose to track anything you want to track. And not anything. Well, anything you want to work towards. <laughs> yeah. What, Look, what it's if got it's temperature? Fitness goals. What if it's like to speak yeah. Portuguese? It's not going to help you with that. No. Badges. Progress oh, towards okay. badges. Badgers. You're trying to meditate more. I'm just saying you don't have to go with Jay's suggestion for what the game coach thinks you should do next. You can go with your own It's not my goals, suggestion. Coach suggests what coach suggests. Coach, coach knows what you should be working on. You should be working on your proofreading skills, in my case. And the selector, I think, shows them again by kind of what you're closest to, and it shows the goal, the silver. Anyway. This is a little different than the way we usually do things, Jay, because normally the way we do things is we come up with something that's completely, utterly banal, like stupid. And then we roll it out, and then we're like, we're just going to tweak it after we roll it out. And then and we get a baseline, and then we A-B test all kinds of different things. But this time, it sounds like we kind of came up with a fairly complicated algorithm for how to choose what, what thing to earn you progress towards that was actually, we had thought through it, and it sort of seems like it has a lot of dimensionality towards it. And almost always, it seems to me like when we do stuff here, we just kind of say, you know, let's just pick one of two things, and then we'll A-B test the third thing. Yeah, well, and to be fair, I think... It's interesting. So to your point, I think there's some things like this where putting in, you know, three hours of good thinking about how to pick badges yeah. Yeah. was totally worth it because it made that feature seem useful and not annoying, yeah. right? Because I'm thinking about like targeting and the careers targeting. You know, we did the very basic careers targeting. We're like, well, don't yep. worry, we'll add more stuff later. I mean, maybe that was because it was such an effort to get even that. Well, but I think there's other stuff we've done where we've actually thought too much up front, rolled something out, and made a fundamental misassumption about how people would use Like, it's often tricky to find where do you put in the upfront work to kind of show people how well it could work so they kind of embrace it? Mm -hmm. And where do you actually not want to do too much until you actually test the basic kind of interest people have in interacting with it at all or how they'll interact with it? But in this case, yeah, we did put some good thinking into it. And even think about things like... There's a call to action there. So one of the things it does is when you pick a badge, if you click on the badge, it tells you how to get it, right? So you, I'm clicking on Illuminator is a bad example because it's a call to action. But if I click on one of the editing ones, it's shrunk and white. If I click on the next badge, it says edit 80 posts to earn this badge. And there's a go get it button, which then actually links me to this one goes to the low quality posts queue, a list of low quality posts, because these are posts that someone has said, eh, they're not closed yet, but they need help. Someone's got to fix something here. And you can actually go get it there. 
which was trying to give people sort of that channel theory that, you know, that's like that, uh, we'll link to the, I think the vaccination experiment where they basically told people they should get vaccines. There's an like old school mm. behavior. They told people they should get vaccines at school. They gave kids a marshmallow and they told them they could have two marshmallows that's so they the, didn't eat the marshmallow. I think that one's called the marshmallow experiment. Very popular these days. And then, the they, and then they gave them a vaccine shot. I remember that part. If they ate the marshmallow, <laughs> they just gave them yeah. a shot. Yeah, and those kids <laughs> yeah. learned quick, don't eat the marshmallow. Right. right. But they could shock the other kids. Right. They, you may yeah. be mixing. You're, no, you're thinking of it. I think now, they're some of them, right. half of them were the prison guards, and, <laughs> and half, half of them were the prisoners. Needles. Oh yeah, that's right. And everyone got the marshmallows. Prisoners had marshmallows. No, okay. I forget who had the marshmallows. This is okay. My school uh, was just not nearly this good. I love marshmallows. What the hell are we talking about? Nothing. What's next? Next. What's <laughs> no. So what Joel, we got brought, in the so Joel was trying to make some sort of point about how sometimes we just ship things really fast and don't spend enough time thinking about them. No, but, no, no. But I'm actually kind of impressed that we thought through this. We thought, think through it using and it our brains a, instead of just saying let's just ship. do something basic and A B test. Well, so I think that so we don't usually do that, but well, go ahead. Well, I'm not sure if we can actually walk through all of the things we think we did wrong on the path here that we learned on the path here. But I think one of the things that jumped out in this project, so this project started, as you said, kind of two years ago. And a lot of things we did, I think, in ways that were not so smart on mm-hmm. the way here. And I think we learned a lot. And we've a lot of that's helped us to develop kind of new internal processes. But one of the things I'd, I'd highlight, so one of the big things I took away from this is things need to be broken. Projects need to be defined at a chunk size chunk. that can get feedback from your audience, and that also can be completed fast enough to feel like wins. Yeah. And that's true whether you're going to ship it or not. So sometimes you might decide you have nine little features that can't be shipped separately, but you should still try to complete. You should break it into nine. It's not this big thing with nine steps. And to your point, I think part of what projects like this want for is you want to basically say that bar, right, that badge progress bar has a selector we've never done before. It has a recommendation engine we've never used before. It has a call to action button that takes you to a whole bunch of other places to see where you could do the thing. And your biggest chunk that's reasonable to describe, I would almost say that thing, that recommendation, that bar, is really sort of a feature size into itself. And by not breaking this into chunks, what we essentially had was a profile page project that was two pages and about six kind of new significant features that uh, I think the, the, the polite term people described it as was a death march. Because instead yeah. of essentially saying, oh, my God, we knocked out another one of these kind of cool features and we're really excited, we had 18 features that were all 10% done for two years. And I think one of the keys is that you need to break things into that size. And part of it's the feedback loop. You can go to meta. You can talk about it. It's good for morale and also lots of parallel processing, right? You can have different groups attack different pieces of it, potentially. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that we didn't do correctly here. So while people were actually finishing like a lot of good work, it felt like a bigger thing was never finished. Okay. So user profile page done. Next. Sorry. They're actually, David is in conversation. The reason why David's been so quiet is he's having a conversation in the chat room about how to make this even more boring, which Mm. (laughs) doesn't seem like a real goal. (laughs) So stop it, David. I'm making it more. <laughs> One thing we learned is when something is boring, trying to make it more boring does not go around not the help. back and reverse things. No. It just makes it more boring. Got it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Just say that again, because I don't know if the listeners got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just got all my laundry folded. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Into what? <laughs> Little origami swans Little origami all over my bed. Swans all over. Is there anything else? Development of the user profile. A lot of interesting stuff there. Anything else on our agenda for today? Community milestones. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Jay. Community do milestones. More, do we have more to talk about the user profile? 
think we can we, summarize it. I think what we wanted to kind of touch on a little bit is less the user profile than some of the things that we kind of learned in our development process. But it's not really yeah. user profile specific. That's just sort of kind it's of just the development process. Yeah, and I think but we'll this get, is I don't know. I, there's stuff to be learned, but it's also kind of a little bit like a. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I forget. The past is in the okay. past. Okay. No, no, but I mean, it was like we worked on it. We learned things that people got better. That's it. Great. Next. You know, you should write a book on management. That was. <laughs> I should. I should. I should. I, what did what did go wrong? Let's let's go back two years ago. What, That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the train wreck because people love hearing about train wrecks. It was a train wreck. It wasn't, but it came out to wonderful. Oh, I guess I guess it just took for freaking ever. Yeah. So I think that there's aspects. In the end, it's nice to have like a good product, a workable product, a product the community loves. But we could have had it a lot faster. We could have done a lot better job. It could have been less painful for people. And I think so. The chunks is one big lesson, right? So I, I also think there was. We a literally lot of, got so tired of this project at one point that we like set it aside for three months and. Way yeah. longer, way longer. Pretended it, there was nothing there, and then we picked it up again. And we we're like, "Well, I guess." We Wasn't there sort of a this. feeling that certain things can never be changed because you got to get everybody to consensus on them, and it is written, and so it would be. Yeah, yeah. you're going to move my cheese, and then I'm going to hate you're moving my cheese. So first, you have to tell me about the moving the cheese, then you have to solicit my feedback, and then you have to get everybody to decide where they want the cheese moved, and then you get everybody to agree that the new cheese place was their own idea. Well, I think that goes to one of the second things that we talked this before, and I think this isn't the only place this is broken down, but one of the key solutions to that problem, I think, is when you're undertaking any project, but especially big ones, you need goals that are very, very clear, mm. specific, and collectively agreed upon. And the reason is if you tell the community, we are trying to build a page, and yeah. part of its job is to help you see the great things you've done in the past very quickly yeah. and see what you could do next and give you decent indications of what you would probably like to do tell next and a quick way to go there, yeah. they will go, huh, those are good goals. I'm into that. Okay. If you simply show them yeah. a page that is very different, they will simply say everything is moved and it's ugly and the thing I liked isn't there, but the goals help everybody to align around the same thing. And if I you're think, trying to get them to agree with what you're trying to do. Yeah, but not even trying to. It's that they actually agree with your goals. And yeah. so then if your implementation doesn't match what they like, for one thing, they know why you did it that way. But the second is they'll redirect you instead of fighting you. So instead yeah. of saying, I hate it, I like the old thing. Yes. You can't work on the problem until you agree on what the problem is, right? Yeah. It was even worse at the beginning when we were just talking about it internally because what we said was, we need to redesign the user profile. Why did we and that think was, that? Make the page look better. Well, that was the whole problem. Because we thought it was ugly. And everybody agreed. Everyone was like, yeah, redesign the user profile. And as we said, no, so we some reason we wanted off, to do that. I can't remember. Yeah, there were 15 reasons we wanted to do that, it's which complex. is why we ended up kind of ugly. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, we wanted to make it prettier. There was some just like, we want to redesign this so it looks nicer and is something you actually want to show off. Yeah. There was also, we want to add some of these like gamification elements, but we don't want them to get in the way. And we don't but it's funny because it. like the thing that we, we like, call the big win of the user page was not a thing that we set out to do. Like we didn't say we want to get It was always folks. part of it, but we literally nah. didn't get to those boxes say, until the last... No, if no, you look we back, did. it so was it, on there. Th oh, we didn't get right. to that until like the last two months of the 14-month right. project. So David's, like I'll take credit for finally defining the right goals only because I was the one who <laughs> failed to define them for 18 months, <sighs> right? And so to David's point, we started with this, so like no make credit. the page better. No credit. No I mean, credit. God have mercy on my soul. Yeah. We started out trying to make the page better. That's like saying we should find some goals. It's not a goal. Sure. And so yeah, what right, happens right. then is people produce dozens. I've shown you 19 versions of this, and you didn't like any of them because we have no idea what we're trying to do. They all, like, some yeah, of them have the And the badge visualization. Bubbles. Let's talk about that. We spent so that's a great, like, two months going around about so, yeah, badge visualization. So I think one of the key things with goals, the goals have to stay with the project throughout. 
and they can change. So you can decide you had a goal wrong or update a goal, but there must always be a set of well-known, I think, specific goals. The badge realization is a perfect one where we actually had a fairly specific goal, whether everybody bought in or not, which was... I guess, arguably, we just failed. Well, but we failed because we lost sight of the goal. Oh, okay. We came with the worst outcome. So <laughs> the profile page now has a thing that sort of, on the badges, has kind of a big, for each type, a big number and stuff. But in between, we had this notion that we really wanted this idea that when you went to someone's profile page, they would be a more visual indication. I was really pushing hard for, it's kind of like in a video game, right? You can tell a character has gotten more powerful. There's a visual conveyance that is instant. You don't have to parse the numbers or read a bunch of labels. You can just see this guy's better or this gal's better. And we really wanted the badge visualization to look better on its own at a glance. Mm -hmm. And whether you agree with that or not, that was the goal. And what happened was we had disagreements about implementation and mine kept like stretching off the page and got sort of silly. And Wait, wait, let's be clear. Hold on. Jay's, <laughs> one of Jay's final proposals. Can we share this image? You still have it somewhere, right? That was um, that, included, that wasn't final. It needed it an artist. A hand, so really. hand, hand drawn Scrooge McUnicorn that's diving true. into a pile of gold that's, badges. That's true. That's true. So you get more badges, like individual badges, and then they'd be in like stacks. And then eventually the <laughs> stacks wouldn't work. They'd be like a big pile, and you you'd have Scrooge McSparkles the unicorn diving right. into it. Yes. Oh, wow. Take a bath and. Badges. In gold badges. I, I learned a lot. That cool. was going to be the John Skeet visualization. In this case, so I cool. still feel so cool. my idea was rejected without proper consideration. Sort of like the badges <laughs> are sort of like freaking flyer miles. You can't spend them. <laughs> but you have them. Oh my God, we should let you, okay. But let's talk about how dumb a solution I landed on. So we basically got to this idea that we weren't going to do that, but we were going to have the badges kind of keep stretching and expanding. So because you got more of them, they would grow on the page. And we had layout problems. And to be clear, a lot of people probably correctly thought I was over-focused on this. But the goal, the goal was to make it visually convey this progress. And we got into all these arguments. People said, well, what if we just put a number that has a one-point bigger font? And I said, no, it doesn't visually convey anything. And we all got into these debates, and I kept arguing. And what we landed on was we had to make them fit in a normal layout. We couldn't keep stretching the page forever. And so we wound up scaling them. So you'd get more and more badges, but they'd shrink as you got more to fit in the relatively big box we'd assigned at this yeah. point. Yeah, because we literally designed it for John Skeet and it was like eight pages long. That seems like we give you something and then we're taking it away. Well, right. And so the yeah. point though is I was finally like, well, at least at least these bastards made them stack up and made them bigger and I'm still getting most of what I wanted. But what we didn't do is yeah. at every moment stick, go back to what was our goal. Our goal was to make it visually convey progress yeah. without you thinking. And the compromise we landed on was half of what I was arguing for, but none of the goal. And so what you we should have realized me. is I should have given it up. <laughs> I should have given up the idea because yeah. what we realized is the compromise to make the idea work didn't match the goal we were doing it for in the first place. What you could do is every time you get 10 badges, you replace it with a star-shaped badge. How many different people and did badge visualizations? Badges, you get a Let's think about this. You did, you did several. I did a couple. We hired Damien Hurst to do one out of like a dead animal. <laughs> Jeremy did several. <laughs> Nobody liked that. I think at least two <laughs> or three Coons different designers worked on this. So we do not have any badge visualizations? Wait a minute. Did I? Did <laughs> I eventually we gave up. Did you bury the lead? And just put the numbers back. There's no visualization? Yeah. Yes, we gave up. Well, there's still a big thing that shows like gold, silvers, bronzes, but yeah. it doesn't get bigger and grow and swell. Yeah, you're right. We let it go. We let it go later in the process because it wasn't it, working. It was the goals I had in my head, whether they were right or wrong, weren't achievable with the compromises. And I should have realized that earlier and let it go. Which brings us to another one. I think David touched on this earlier. Kind of point three that was crucial that we learned is someone has to own a project. And Joey Walt talked about to drive it forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and there's mm -hmm. a couple of functions that owners of a thing have. But one of the key ones that's important that's separate from 
who makes decisions we could come back to, is who's going to drive this thing forward? Who is responsible for forward motion? Yeah. And for this one, there's a lot of places we wasted time where I lost sight of goals. But the truth is, the biggest gap we had here is there was a period where somebody was running with it and making some pretty good progress, although we didn't have strong enough goals in some ways. And then there was a period where, like, I sort of cared about it, and I was dedicating the full 3% of my time I have free outside of my other projects to thinking uh-huh. about this. Because you had other projects. Oh, my gosh. This was such a nightmare. My biggest contribution to the whole project was to stop working on it and then to go into Jay's office and tell him to stop working on it. True. Yeah. That's true. Basically Although, what it amounted to. What's weird is David does that every <laughs> day amazing. about everything I'm working on. We it's need, starting to you feel... You know how there's that holacracy thing that everybody's talking about, which is, like, management by not having any kind of management, and you want yeah. to have any managers or people just Wait, can we clarify your tweet? storm on that because i had a question about sure we can i will go over that yeah let's go into that but this sounds like it's a similar thing we could write a book about how the way to work on something is to stop working on it and that could be our whole philosophy it's to tell the managers to stop working on it (laughs) and to put other people this would be in the great tradition of extreme programming and holacracy and all kinds of other you know communism uh, all kinds of other (laughs) idiotic systems that don't work in holacracy a movie by that beavis and butthead guy yeah but seriously the solution here was to say Jay doesn't have time to work on this. Yeah. The way we're working became absurdly yeah. un... Block. Uh, like... Blocking. To blockage. Yes. Blockage. It was literally like... <laughs> just, get, just get out. Just get out. Get out. <laughs> you're, you're blocking. Jay, you're blocking. Stefan would go do a design, and then he would show Block. it to Jay, and Jay was busy, so he would get around to it later that week, and then he would reply, and then Stefan would have to go do another design based on Jay's yeah. feedback. Yeah. And just to be clear, Stefan would do a whole new design... In like constipation. Six and a half, six and a half minutes. Yes. It would be a complete redesign Stephane from a can different get a perspective. Done. In like three yeah. D. That's what they do. That's what designers do. But I think one of the key takeaways: so fly through of the badges. The person whose job it is to drive an initiative forward has to have somewhere well north of fifty percent of their time available to it. Yeah, basically, like you can have other stuff on your plate, but like you really can't have two projects. It's not realistic. Okay. We've been on this podcast now for six, seven and a half hours. I think it's been under an hour because we spent a lot of time talking about how setting up podcast works. No, but I want to move on to the next topic of this oh. podcast. Uh, okay. Yay! So we can come back to other learnings and how we've dealt with them next month, week, year on the Stack Exchange podcast. But next should we quickly touch on our community milestones? We yeah, have lots just, of just, community milestones. Let's just list them. Okay. Let's just list them. So we and have- I, I will crack wise. We have lots of sites. We have lots of new sites. Wow. Let's just go. I'm really? just going the order they were put on this Trello board because I have no idea what, what the- We have a new health site that is in public beta. It okay. is doing pretty well. One of the things we are- We had a lot of trouble with like fitness, nutrition. Health is tricky. Fitness, I'd argue, and nutrition- Can I actually just go to health.sexchange.com? Yes. Is it going to be all the Fitbit people? No, I'd say our best contributors on health are people like nurse practitioners, and we've got some kind of uh, real professionals in there, okay, which is cool. And also a lot of lay people dealing with health issues, asking questions. But there's been a good focus on kind of not trying to be a site just for doctors, but it's also trying to avoid, you know, speculation. And I read somewhere on the internet kind of crap. Civi CRM is in public beta. Civi CRM is the best CRM. Oh, we don't know how to pronounce that. We so don't know how to pronounce that. Civi CRM. If you were wondering, we Civi looked CRM. up before the podcast, civis are what I think military personnel in the United States refer to their non-uniform clothes as. They're yeah, not civis. uniforms, they civis, yeah. Much like the CV4, yeah. the C. Or what we call non-programmers. And what they call profile. Jeeps, the CV, civilian vehicle, something or other. Yeah. We digress. That's not a site on... That's exchange at all. No. So we got the Civi CRM site. Civi CRM, one other thing is if you can find an esoteric CRM or content management system, Ooh, it will be a city desk. It will be a strong stack exchange site. Civi CRM has like 10 questions a day. It is kicking butt. Amazing. Okay. 
Woodworking is in public beta. Woodworking is for people that are working on things that are made of wow. wood that are smaller than or not attached to a house. Is there a reason not to glue a wooden <laughs> bolt onto its threads? Uh, that's important. It's an important distinction. Because, smaller than a house? Is that what you said? Well, so every time we have a site like Woodworking, I go, ugh. Is the DIY site really so busy they can't handle woodworking, which is all the same frigging questions? I'm going to ask about the formaldehyde in lumber liquidators. But your bookshelf is not attached to the wall. And I said that to my dad, who's very active on the DIY site, and he gave me a long lecture on how many different magazines he gets for electrical and housework that are totally separate from his woodworking, drommeling magazines. Oh, and man. I just typed formaldehyde and it decided I was a robot. You're also on an FBI <laughs> list, probably. So anyway, woodworking is a cool site. It is in public beta, doing pretty well. Here's a big one. Russian Stack Overflow officially launched oh, yeah. and is doing phenomenally. Russian? Really, really exciting. Is it actually called Russian.stackoverflow.com? Like written in English? It no. is. No. It's like it's, Stack Overflow is written in English. It's oh, Stack Overflow ha pick cum. But that's not how any of those words oh, are Oh, it's ru.stackoverflow. That's right. Okay. Yep. That's that's decent. Or hishkod. Yes. For uh, historical reasons. Well, it's not called that anymore. But yes, but the Stack Overflow in Russian site is built on an existing question and answer site. I think we talked about this before on the podcast. And so there was an awesome existing community there. Okay. And we're seeing much, much more activity now than we were before. So there's lots of new people who've come in. And 57,000 Voprosal. I'm going to guess that, that means questions, probably. <laughs> I'm guessing. it's. But it's worth mentioning, much like we saw in Portuguese, it quickly became one of the most active sites on the, the network. The first tab looks like it says hobble. Probably not. <laughs> I don't speak Russian, but I'm going to Cyrillic letters. I'm just going to guess. It's really, no. it's, it's, I'll be like, it's probably like it's like really a, like confusing or something. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Do they, no, use yeah, the, yeah, new, do they use new, the number newest. three as one of their letters? Yeah, <laughs> two <laughs> of the tabs three. have the number three in it. Yeah, that's a yeah. Yes, they. We they should have do. a whole podcast where we make fun of other alphabets. <laughs> they're silly because they're <laughs> to different. Be clear, until we get Armenian. Russian is especially confusing because. They have the, the same monk letters. that invented it decided to reuse Latin and Greek letters, but, but attach them different to different meanings. sounds. Correct. To be clear, yeah, every single non-American, all right, non-British or American listener to this podcast is giggling at the American idiots saying how some other language is especially is complex or it's silly or inconsistent. Bad, yeah, it's not consistent like English. I just think it's confusing to well, take, to take Latin cast. existing Latin and Greek characters and attach them to completely different sounds. That right. seems like a poor choice if you're designing. If you've a ever language. looked at like the little evolutionary chart of the alphabets, I think that they actually evolved less than we did from the original. <laughs> like we're the ones that are. I've been trying up. to read The Language Instinct by Steven Pinker yeah. for 19 years. And I've I finally I've accepted defeat. It is the world's longest book. Yeah. I learned everything interesting I could Good in the book. first two thirds. Third. I don't, I don't even did you read finish that. it? It's impossible to finish. It has literally been. I'm sorry, are we talking about literally a book that been by my bedside. Just give up. 19 years. I feel so good that I gave up on it. I haven't read it. I'm reading a book now that I'm learning from. I'm so happy. But it's on the pile of books that I want to read. I'm going to read this book. What is this? The Language Instinct. The Language Instinct. Brett Kiefer recommended it to me. Me too. The only bad thing. Damn you, Brett. Brett Kiefer has never done a bad thing to me before, I don't think. And this is going to stick with me. $11.99 on Kindle. It's not even cheap. (laughs) I'd recommend the audiobook, except it's 10 million hours of language. Okay. So the Russian Stack Overflow is already like the eighth most active site in Russian. Civic CRM. All right. We're running out of time. Let's wrap it up, guys. Let's do that. Well, you've gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Exchange Podcast 65, recorded Tuesday, May 12th, 2015 at Stack Exchange headquarters. This podcast has been brought to you by the Association of Airline Mile Programs, now celebrating 20 years without ever issuing a free ticket to Tokyo. <laughs> Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton, audio editor David Greenlee, ex-producer Alex Miller, and ghost producer Abby Miller has been putting out of context 
quotes on Twitter. I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. Bye. Bye bye. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. feels like he has one more thing to say about the topic we've just been talking about for 45 minutes. I think the only thing I really want, if I can just have one more last word. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> How do airline miles work? Civicrm. Civi for short. That sounds like underwear relationship manager. What is civvies? Is that like a military term? Civvies for underwear? Skivvies is underwear. Skivvies. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of skivvies. I don't know. I was so excited to say skivvies. <laughs> I would like to retract some of my glee. I'll take the glee down about 60%. I can do that on the board here. We are on the air, and you are listening to the very first episode of what we hope will become a weekly podcast. Do we have a name for this podcast yet, Jeff? We do not. We do not have a name. Okay. We'll get you a name next week. Coming to you from the bright lights of New York, New York, I'm Joel Spolsky. And from that, sunny El Cerrito, yep. I'm Jeff Atwood. <laughs> Jeff Atwood, how are you doing today? Good. Okay. It's our first podcast. Yeah, it's exciting. Very you exciting. Said, it's kind uh, of weird to have a, an audience now. Uh, yeah, we have an audience of zero. <laughs> no, my 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 dad will listen to this. Yeah. Um, what <laughs> what do we want to talk? Do we want to tell the people what we're what we're doing here? Uh, sure, sure. So we're we're building a website. Um, one of the reasons uh, I wanted to do this was I kept getting a lot of pressure, particularly on my site. Uh, I know on Joel's blog he doesn't really have comments, but you have a separate discussion area, right? Um, yeah. I've never really had that. I just have your traditional blog comments. And yeah. those work well, but they don't really scale cool. uh, to yeah. the level that I'm seeing now. Uh, and, and I also want to go in a slightly different direction. They work good for like 20 people. Yeah, yeah, it works well until you get to about, I don't know, it, people ask me, it's like, who reads 250 comments? And the answer is, well, I have to read them all. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my site, okay. and I, I feel like it's kind of rude if I don't read at least all the comments. But I'm not really sure anyone else does. Uh, so I wanted to harness some of that energy and maybe create some kind of developer community site where, you know, rather than just randomly commenting on things, we could actually build things that are actually useful to people, right? Not that blog comments aren't useful, but um, I think there's... No, I would pretty much go so far as to say that blog comments are not useful. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't entirely <laughs> agree with that. I mean, I think it's the question of signal to noise. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I certainly think a lot of them are, are pretty useful, and particularly once you throw in sort of a a rating type system like dig i think that the cream rises to the top pretty rapidly so what we're trying to get here i guess like we could say is a, is a place where you can ask questions and, uh, about technical programming questions because we're programmers uh you can get answers and then get those answers rated and 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 try to have the signal rise to the top and the noise just disappear forever hopefully right. And, and also, yeah. I, I liked one of your observations early on, Joel. It's, this is not another place to discuss tabs versus spaces. Right. Because uh, there's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure I'm guilty of that as well. I mean, there's a lot of religious issues in programming. And um, one of the things I always liked, you know, not to get into platform issues, but I think you've brought this up before, too, is one thing I actually like about the Windows ecosystem of developers is 
there's a nice focus, in, and this is generality, to be clear, uh, on sort of just getting stuff done, right, versus, mm-hmm. like, the elegance of a solution <laughs> or, yeah. you know, how politically correct or how religiously correct is this particular solution. But just, you know, hey, this is a job. We need to get things done, right? We ultimately yeah. want to make money. <laughs> the Windows programmers that I've met, the reason they're Windows programmers is because they're being super pragmatic and they just have to get their code to run on computers that people actually have. And as a result, they're very much just going to do what it takes to get the job done, and then they're going to kind of lose interest in it. And uh, some other platforms, not so much. They tend to be a little bit more you know, idealistic, I guess. Right. I mean, there's pros and cons, and again, this is a broad generality, so I don't want to offend yeah. anyone. Yeah. I'm sure I will, actually. We should just make a rule. Like, you don't have to say this is a generalization. Now, it's understood that these are generalizations. Okay. I, yeah. I think sometimes, for particular phrases, you have to be careful. Cause right. You can, I, I get a lot of email. I'm sure you get tons and tons of email, but I've started to get quite a bit of email. Um, I think people are often, the thing that bothers me is that people are not subtle at all. And so they're assuming that if I'm writing a blog, that I'm either pro-Microsoft or anti-Microsoft. And if I say something that in any way implies that Windows programmers are pragmatic, then I must be pro-Microsoft. And how could I possibly be pro-Microsoft after what they did to Netscape or whatever, you know what I mean? Or after what they did to open source or after that memo with the second. In other words, they don't understand how, how you could have a nuanced approach that includes some positive and some negative things about a company as large and as diverse as Microsoft with as many different products as they have. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the, I think the last thing I wrote was something about how IE8 was, in my opinion, making a, what, would, what will become a controversial decision about uh, how to treat old web pages, um, whether to run them under the IE7 emulation or under the new thing, unless you specify otherwise. And, uh, you know, I really, I, you know, I don't want to take a side in the issue because both sides result in a lot of breakage for a lot of people. Um, but I think a lot of people said, well, this is insufficiently unangry. In other words, it's Microsoft's fault that they got into this big mess with the browser compatibility standards, blah, blah, blah. And the only possible article, and to some people, the only article I could have written was Microsoft is is, is bad and, and evil and cruel for, for having gotten us into this mess, and nothing else matters. Nothing else you want to say about this matters. You just have to be angry at Microsoft. And any other kind of article that tries to go into what should Microsoft do now, given that they've done something bad and gotten themselves into a mess... Uh, it, that that article is going to make people upset unless it says what they wanted to write, which is Microsoft is evil. Right. Just like, fine, okay, Microsoft is evil. Next. It's not what I want to write about. Enough people writing that. I don't care. Let's move on. All I want to talk about is the issue with compatibility and backwards compatibility and what you have to do to maintain it and whether or not you should because you may have your own engineering problems in the future that are based around compatibility issues like that. And if you plan for them, you won't get into the kind of mess that Microsoft did. Right. And uh, and that's what I wanted to write about. But some people, um, you know, Gruber uh, or Mark Pilgrim, just I think they read that and they're like, this this article is not angry enough at Microsoft, and so it must be pro Microsoft, and therefore I must take an, a con- contrary stance. Right. Yeah. No, I I actually liked that article. I, I thought it was this is going to be sacred. I thought it was too long. <laughs> yeah, it was. Too long. I wasn't a huge fan of the the first half of it, but I definitely really liked <laughs> the last half. I thought it was very strong. At the time, I thought, well, gosh, I have to say all this stuff. But, but later I realized, you know, I, if I had taken another week, I probably could have trimmed it about 30%. Yeah. No, it wasn't. But I mean, anyways, it was bad. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and not to get into podcasting, um, but I don't think anything you've really ever written, honestly, has been bad. Uh, I think the worst... Oh, wait, I'll find something. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, say I go to a movie that... I, I take that as a personal challenge. <laughs> find something bad that I wrote. Are you kidding? 
Uh, well, no, the stuff that you publicize, I think you uh, you know you take a lot of care in, in terms of the way you write it. I mean, the way I write is very from the hip. I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't vet my writing. Like if you look on Paul Graham's site, you'll find you know oh this article was proofread by the following ten people, <laughs> and then some name dropping. Yeah, and and then there's name dropping, which is Paul Graham. But, uh, I, there's no proofreading. It's just pretty much as it comes out and pretty minimal editing. I, I get the impression that you put. You put more thought into your writing in terms of editing and so forth. I think I probably go over the article thirty or forty times before yeah. it gets out. And yeah. I, for me, that would be like twice, like while I'm editing it. So it's it's a little bit looser. So I, I appreciate that. Um, the interesting That's thing about that's also I don't write very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's certainly a, too, an too issue of, of scale there. Um, one issue that's that's interesting uh, with regards to Microsoft is I think Microsoft has a lot of problems now, like serious, deep, deep problems yeah. that yeah, I don't like, per, I don't perceive Microsoft as being in a strong position anymore. No. Um, I, I totally respect Microsoft. There's a lot of people that work there, but in terms of the whole Microsoft monopoly, it's yeah. I think the weakest it has ever been. Um, I, not in terms of absolute numbers now, but in terms of the the underpinning of where their money comes from and, and how their business runs, they're really, really vulnerable. So yeah. I, I don't view it as you, like, you need to attack them that much anymore. I think it's self-evident, if you're a decent analyst at all, that Microsoft has huge problems, and it's not right. at all clear that they're going to you know, overcome these problems. I, I don't know if it's clear. I mean, I, 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 there was a big hullabaloo about Gartner making some statement about how Vista was a uh, – what, what was the word that they used that was provocative? Disaster? Yeah, something Catastrophe. like that. Catastrophe. <laughs> failure, right. Katrina scale. Anyway, um, uh, the, the the weird thing is that that was newsworthy, and this is something that like for three or four years, people have geeks even before Vista came out, geeks have been saying there's something like seriously wrong here because the developers. I mean, it's sort of the going back to the API war. The geeks have known that it just doesn't matter anymore what's on the desktop so much because all the interesting development work is happening on the web. Right. Oh, also, I want you to, and, and since you yourself brought it up, I actually uh, at your Fogbugs World Tour, one of my favorite things that you said was, uh, <laughs> remember that. Blog entry I did about uh, how there's five things you can't do on a web in a web browser. Yeah, yeah. And like now you can do all those five things. Yeah, like our underline intern Jacob did, did all five of them. <laughs> but I mean, in one, that's, in one summer. <laughs> no, I, I give you tremendous credit because you're right. I mean, nobody yeah. can see the. It's so hard to see the future, right? Like nobody really saw the browser as being this strong of a platform, but clearly it really is. Sometimes it's kind of weird. You extrapolate the wrong way. Like for example, um, when when the browsers first came out. I kept thinking, gosh, there's something, the HTML protocol, there's something wrong with, with this because uh, I was working at MSN at Microsoft and we had a different protocol for multimedia, for hypertext multimedia that was based on help files, basically. So you'd write a Microsoft help file instead of an HTML page. I mean, this is funny, but HTML was just not known then. I mean, like literally there was one, at Microsoft, if you wanted to see the web, you went to the library where there was one computer that was connected to the web in those days. And this was like literally 1994, 1994. 1994 or something. So it was before you know anybody had the web. So it's not not to blame them too much. But uh, but they had this idea. They wanted a multimedia thing with hyperlinks and stuff like that for creating content for for MSN. And uh, the first idea was to use help files. They already had this multimedia format with hyperlinks. And um, and they actually had in the protocol that they built instead of using something simple like HTTP where you just get the file, they had a slightly more sophisticated protocol where you got the text first. And you got the dimensions of the pictures so that space could be left for the pictures. And then you got a very blurry pic copy of the picture. And then you got a sharp, sharper picture of the picture. So the text would appear like right away. And we were in those days, you know, 9,600 baud modems were the fastest you could get. Most people were 2,400 uh, or 9,600. Um, I think there might have been 19.2 might have been 
on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, but they were going to build MSN on this crazy frame relay dial-up system that would have been lucky to see 4800 baud. Anyway, uh, it, it seemed like you needed a protocol that showed you the text first and sent the pictures later. Uh, and um, HTML in those days did not do that. It was as soon as the web browser would be like, oh, there's a picture, and it would basically start trying to download that as well, even though there was maybe some text that it should have gotten first. I don't know. The, the, point, the, the story I'm trying to tell is that the web looked not very good. It looked kind of clunky, and it looked like it would never be as good as what you could do with a specialized protocol. But then, of course, the speed of all these things improved, and it just didn't matter what order you do things in, and the limitations of HTTP turned out to be its strengths. And the web really did sort of take over the world. Uh, and, and you know, I, I had sort of looked at early versions of the web and said, well, that's kind of clunky and dumb. We could build something a lot slicker and a lot more professional looking. Uh, and I, I was kind of wrong about that. And then, um, and then, you know, sort of years later, I was looking at the early WAP websites, and everybody was saying WAP is crap and WAP is slow and these web browser phone things are just awful and any kind of web experience you have on a phone is just going to be ghastly. And I thought, you know, but that's what I thought about the web, so maybe the phone experience will just get better. And it didn't. It really never did. Well, I would and say there's, the iPhone, right? Well, the iPhone is not the web experience. That's just a, that's just a shrunk desktop browser, basically. But, but that's, that's what I'm saying. I think that actually turns out to be the future is the, the handheld right. devices get so right. powerful, right. they become mini desktops, and then... Yeah, but the they're, doing, they're doing the same thing as the desktops are doing, and that's the only way to make it work. And indeed, like, WAP just never did evolve into something fast enough and nice enough that it could become better. Uh, what was the point of this? I, I guess the point of the story is sort of like, sometimes you're looking at something and you can't see the future because you don't extrapolate enough. And so you say, eh, this sucks, but you're not extrapolating to when it's going to be really good. And sometimes the opposite problem happens is you extrapolate too much and you say, hey, this is, uh, um, you know, this is crap, but it's going to get much better, and it never does. Right. Well, that's the, the bubble 1.0, right? Yeah. You know, everybody's going to shop online even though they don't have broadband and right, they're all right, behind right. modems. And, right. Know, these I remember rich thinking. web experiences that were just yeah. way, way ahead of their time. Definitely. At MSN in 1993... We were all thinking around 1996, the whole country is going to be wired up for broadband. So they'll basically be able to have, I think at that time, people were actually predicting that by 1996, people would have enough bandwidth into their home for four television channels at once. Wow. And that was, um, what was the, it was MPEG-1. I think they were only 10 years off with that prediction. MPEG-1 was 150. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it it would have worked on DSL speeds. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, so getting back to, to what we're doing, and I think the reason this ties in is, is one of the reasons we think this, this site will hopefully matter is that we believe that programmers are going to learn online. That's right. Well, one thing is we're noticing is the book, the programming book market has just completely vanished, it's fallen apart catastrophically. The programmers I know don't really learn new technologies from a book anymore. What they do is they find a tutorial on the web, maybe. Uh, and they try to do something, and then they page fault in knowledge. Basically, they, they get stuck on something, and they either post to a discussion group or they type their question into Google. Right. And those are the two things we want to serve, basically, is the posting to the discussion group and typing things into Google. You know, kind of our, our long-term goal, if we're successful, is that you type it, you're trying to figure out how to do, you know, I don't know, something in Python. You're like, how do I merge two arrays in Python? And so you go to Google and you type merge two arrays Python and submit that, and our goal is to be the number one hit that comes up with a really good, well-edited answer to that question that some, some individual has contributed and maybe other individuals have edited. 
Right, and, and also to reduce the friction, kind of like what Twitter and Tumblr did for blogging, where, yeah, we could have a blog, some guy who, you know, loves Python, write a whole blog entry about, you know, how to merge arrays in Python, right? Well, first mm-hmm. of all, it seems like kind of a weird topic for an entire blog entry. I mean, I guess you could. Um, but right. a lot of this stuff ends up being buried on, like, forums or documentation that nobody clicks through to. Like yeah. a classic example, and, not to, and again, to pick on Microsoft, I feel bad, actually. <laughs> but like the MSDN documentation yeah. site, although it's actually pretty good. It's, it's just they, the way they set it up is so painful, right? It's almost a formatting problem more than an actual Oh, yeah, problem. absolutely, because it's not true HTML. Things move around. That when you find them on Google, the left, they're, never, they're never there. That tree on the left just kills me. Like, yeah, what's, what's that? that? That's never worked on the Internet. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, again, it's, they can't let go of the whole desktop metaphor, right? Like, right. this drives me crazy. Like, websites that, oh, I, I need to look like a Windows application or even, an, you know, an OS X application. This is really wrong. Like, if I see an app that looks like a desktop app, I'm like, you failed. Like, immediately you failed, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get the fact that this is a different medium. It should look different. It should not look like the old way. <laughs> We're trying to get away from the old way. There were problems with that. Yeah. So. And then they put everything between a live doc, behind a live.com firewall which is the new name for Passport. Right. Uh, so you can't even get MSD anymore. It's not being searched properly by Google. Their own search sucks. Um, so basically, they're, they're, they're constitutionally incapable of... A lot of people are, who have the documentation are constitutionally incapable of putting it up on the net in a format that's actually searchable and findable of things. That's not true of everybody. Um, but also the trouble is, another thing that I've noticed happens, let's say... Um, uh, okay, so I've got, a, I've got a Mac at home. And uh, in order to connect to my desktop at, at work, um, I use uh, Copilot. But I don't always use Copilot because it's kind of slow. So I use this thing called Remote Desktop Connection because I have a VPN all set up. And there's a Mac client for Remote Desktop Connection. And uh, there's a new version of the Mac client for Remote Desktop Connection. It's really good, uh, only it's in beta. And it took them much longer than they expected to actually ship the damn thing. So the beta expired. Nice. And so you couldn't run it. So then you go search for on the on the internet for Mac, you know, remote desktop connection beta expired, and you get all kinds of uh, um, uh, discussion people discussing what to do and how to work around this problem and how stupid is Microsoft that they can't solve this problem. And what's interesting is within I, I would say five days, Microsoft had indeed released a new version of it with the the time that was the expiration removed. So it's still the beta because it's still late, but it's not actually telling you that it's expired anymore. Right. Um, so that's fine. But here's the point. In the meantime, all those previous blog articles about this thing being removed are still the results that you're getting from Google. And so the number one result from Google doesn't know about the new thing, the fix. In other words, there's something that kind of happens when something is broken and then gets fixed. The brokenness gets into Google and gets page rank. And that tends to sort of dominate the results for a long time because it's got the earliest dates on it. And a lot of times you're trying to solve something and you find a discussion on the Internet that's saying, hey, the solution to this problem is there is no solution. You are borked. And you can't do anything about it. And that's wrong. That's no longer correct. You're not actually looking at the correct information anymore. So one of the things that, you know, one of our goals is to have a place where if somebody posts a wrong answer or they post an answer that used to be right but it becomes wrong, that there's a way to remove that and to get that out of the site and to get their n- new right answer up at the top of the page. Yeah, so it's very Wikipedia-like in that sense. I mean, there's there's a flavor right. of, of wiki to what we're going to do. And I do agree with that because that's also a problem with blog entries. It's like when you write about something, you know, it's a point mm-hmm. in time. That's why dates are so important. When you go yeah. to content and there's no date, it's like, well, I'm hosed. I don't know when this was written, so I've lost yeah. my content. <laughs> I, still get, I still get angry email in which I said that it was a mistake for the Netscape guys to uh, 
uh, rewrite the whole browser from scratch. They should have started with their existing code base. And I believe it took, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think it took six years. No, how long did it take between Firefox, between the last version of Netscape and the first version of Firefox shipping? Oh, it was a long time. It was at least I think it was years. like I think it was three or four years at least. Was- anyway, there were there were definitely they definitely lost a couple of years there by starting from scratch. And I think that article is still correct. And I think th- those those few years that they lost while they rewrote basic things that had already been working in the original version of Netscape, uh, you know, like when they rewrote those sort of from a, in a green field from a clean slate instead of just trying to, you know, even use the old code as a blueprint at the very least. Uh, but those those few years that they lost probably correspond to the same period in which IE went from 0% market share to 90% market share. And so now Firefox has to claw its way up from the bottom. But anyway, I still get email from people saying, well, it, you know, it looks like you were wrong because Firefox is now shipping or something, as if that proves me wrong that, that, that you know, later. And I'm like, look at the date on the article, dude. Right. Yeah, no, I'm born there because I, I remember reading that at the time, going, "Oh, he's right." You know, Netscape is so dead. But then it's like, you know, Firefox and like, you know, the Phoenix. It's like such a great name. Right. Um, really did. You know, you contribute much of their success to the whole green. They came back from from the dead. They're still not a 50% market share. No, of course not. I don't. I don't know what they are. What they are at? That's probably debatable. But you know, I think it's are. like, gosh, I don't know. I think it's really high in Europe in some areas. I don't know what it is in the U.S. I would say around. Gosh, I don't even want to say because I'll probably be wrong. But it's. it's yeah. I would say 10 to 20 percent. It's just it's a guess. Yeah, it, it depends, and it's probably like it's probably much higher among tech savvy people. Oh, way, um, way, way higher. Yeah, absolutely. And the good news is that it is high enough that that everybody ha- knows that they have to test with Firefox. Well, yeah, that's and to me that's the important thing is we've gone to an ecosystem where there's Coke and Pepsi finally because yeah. I do think, you know, if you look at sort of you know commercial markets, there is a strong argument you make that there needs to be at least one strong competitor for things to really move forward. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. the whole Microsoft problem, people say this about Microsoft, and it really is true. Unless somebody's really pushing them, they kind of just sit there. Yeah, yeah, like IE is the classic example. Um, yeah. So it, it's absolutely important that there be other contenders for, for the market to work. Uh, maybe you could argue that that's why Vista was such a such a dud, is that they didn't notice anybody pushing them. And now uh, now that there's Leopard and that pretty much a lot of the Windows users are, not a lot, but uh, there are enough people that are switching to Mac now. That they may feel threatened by that and feel like they have to uh, do something, like actually add some features that people want in the next operating system. Yeah, yeah, I know there's definitely a lot of truth there. So anyway, I was just thinking, I was just thinking how pissed I am that you can't, you won't be able to get XP anymore, because I just, I just know that I, I can't give my parents Vista. I don't want them to get, you know, and I, yeah, you know, I always tell people, you know, get a, if you, if you have to get a Windows PC, at least get XP on it. What's with Although the, what's I, probably the Vista I actually like Vista. I think the Start menu is way better. What, what yeah. specifically? Would you point to that you don't like about Vista? Um, what I don't like about Vista, for for me personally, is that a lot of stuff has moved. For example, if I go into network connection, stuff is just not in the same place as it used to be, and it's still there, but it's in a different place. So there's a different way of getting it, and I don't know those new places. And eventually, I guess I would learn them, but I just don't know where they are. And uh, so for me, it's like you you've moved a bunch of stuff around, so everything that I try to do is not where I expected, it, and it's a little bit frustrating when I'm trying to get stuff done. And what I get for this is nothing. In other words, there's, there are no other benefits to me that I can perceive from switching to Vista. That, that's fair because I think it's a, it's true that Vista is not doesn't add much, right? Yeah, it, I mean, if different. it added just one or two things that I wanted, I mean, I know it added things, but nothing I want. Yeah. Then 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 it might be worth it. Like for example, when I when I upgraded Mac to uh, Leopard on on my Mac. Um, it had spaces, which I love, and I use that all the time, and that's awesome. And that's like 
It's just a small thing. They could put that in Windows in 10 minutes. And that's enough for me to switch to Leopard. And, you know, and then I'll undergo some pain if I have to get used to the option key and the command key being in different places or whatever it takes getting used to. I can deal with that. But if I'm going to get nothing and all you've done is rearrange things so I don't know how to do things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff where I've memorized ways of doing things. Like I know directly what control panel to go to. It's bad enough in XP. You go into the control panel. You have to click on that switch to classic mode so you can find anything. And then, because otherwise it's going to just, just put different names on stuff and it's jumbled it around in places where you don't recognize it. Right. No, I think that's fair. Um, I, I, just in the interest of equal time, I, I would point to two features that I really like in Vistar. One, the start menu is huge, that I can just hit uh, the Windows key and type what I want. It's very yeah, I've got, I've got this thing. What's this thing called that I've uh, I'm well, yeah, right but you now. have to install that. I mean, this Launchy. Like, yeah, yeah, but you have to install that. I mean, I'm a big fan. Oh, of it's like, worth it. I think stuff should be built in. Like, I think yeah, it should. Yeah, and the fact that everything's indexed. Like, I can just, you know, any keyword, if it's in my documents folder, I mean, the indexing actually works. It's very Google-like. Also, the way yeah. every Explorer window has, if you hit Control-E, like in your browser, yeah. it goes to the search box, just like it does in your browser. So it really unifies the browser world and the Control desktop e world. Control-E is search? What's that? Oh, yeah, look at that. Control-E is search. Yeah, yeah, just like in your browser. It works exactly oh. the same way in Explorer now in Vista. So there's sort of a grand unification of the way things work. But but I, I definitely hear you in terms of there's they did change a lot of things. and That might work. It might You know what? It may even be, for me, the other problem I may have with Vista is that I put it on this cheapo Dell Latitude 620, cheapest laptop you've ever seen. I mean, it's their high-end laptop too, but it's just like the keyboard is crap and it's just got all these little plastic parts all over the place and it's clunky and ugly and heavy and it's just a yucky laptop. Yeah. Well, you and, should get uh, what I have. So I, I just have a bad experience whenever I run Vista. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. I think Vista definitely has much higher hardware requirements. Just it's doing a lot more stuff in the background. Right. 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 And then oh, plus, yeah. I don't want I don't want to harp on this because I always talk about this in my blog. But I'm a, I'm a very yeah. very outspoken critic of the whole Windows security model. You know, the fact that everybody runs administrators, so they had to put in all these weird hacks, yep. all these yep. performance. You have to have Defender running. You have to have antivirus. All this stuff costs performance, like big time, right? People say, oh, I just you just need this stuff, but it's like this destroys essentially your disk I.O. performance mainly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a kind of an expert, but I've never had any kind of antivirus or well, yeah. protective, and I've never yeah. had any. Yeah, and I, I don't want to so. open that whole can of worms, but I will yeah. say that you know Vista may be perceived as being slower because it has a lot more security stuff in it. Like it has Defender, it has the indexing. It has I'll the tell you why it's perceived as being slower. Yesterday I opened my Vista laptop, which I hadn't used for two weeks, to watch a video. Now, why was I watching the video on my Vista laptop? Because the stupid iMac MacBook Air Yep. Um, just does not have sufficient cooling. So if you try to watch an hour TV show or something, unless you literally hold it up in the air, <laughs> it doesn't cool enough to be able to. And so what happens is you've, it's got two CPU, two, two CPU cores in there, yeah. and it gets hot enough that it shuts down one of them, and then you don't have enough CPU power to watch video. Anyway, oh, wow. Which is I had not anyway. heard that about the, the air. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people carping about it on the net. And they have a, uh, a hotfix that made the fan go on a little sooner. And that sort of solves it. But the problem is that, like many laptops, the fan is on the bottom surface. And the only thing that keeps the fan from being blocked by whatever the laptop is sitting on is those little rubber feet. Um, but if you put the laptop on your lap or if you put it on a pillow on your lap or if you're just trying to, like, l- lie back on the couch and hold it on your knees or something, uh, it, it blocks that fan. And so the laptop can't, can't cool itself. But even if you put – and so they say, oh, well, you're not you – know, the only way you can use a – laptop, and it says this in the manual, is if you actually put it on a desk. But sometimes if you put it on a desk, it still doesn't cool enough to watch uh, more than an hour of video. It seems kind of flaky, which is really upsetting. So anyways, I pop out the Dell 620, 
which is twice as heavy and clunky and ugly and yucky and stuff like that. And I try to watch video. And in the background, without telling me, it has decided to reinstall something. I don't know what. And there's some process running that's just slamming the hard drive and driving the CPU up to 100% that runs, and it's some kind of Windows. All I can tell is that it's the Windows uh, installation service, the WMI installation service. And I never asked for this, and I never approved it, and I never checked okay. And it just runs for the first 20 minutes while the video stutters. You know, it just sort of parks on my hard drive. So I think there's, there's sort of a lot of, like, I don't remember giving giving in permission just to install stuff. Yeah. No, there's a ton of stuff that goes in the background of Vista, huge, yeah. hugely increased. And all that all that indexing, which I, I always turn off just because I don't, you know, I, I, when you have a laptop, you, you, you sometimes you're on the plane and you don't want it to just waste battery power. Well, it, uh, it does actually disable it when it's in battery mode. The indexing really? is smart, but not everything in Vista is smart. And, you know, it's it's sort of designed by committee, right? That's the other problem yeah. with Vista. And I, remember your start menu article? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think that that's a, an example of just designed by committee, committee where... Yeah. You don't get a like the, the jobs like figure who's just dictating. Oh no, it's going to be this way. This it's is the right be clean, way. Yeah. You have to satisfy everybody, and so you have some parts of Vista that I think are very good, and some parts I'm just like, yeah, turn that off immediately, right? There's something very interesting about like uh, if, if you if you study like architecture or or design or something. There's this concept of the minimalist design of, of minimalism in architecture, and it takes ten times as much work to make something truly minimalist than to make something decorated. So the classic example is look up, look up at your ceiling and look at, look to where the wall hits the ceiling in whatever room you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any kind of molding up there? No, we don't. You don't have molding. So the wall just hits the ceiling and it's like a nice clean curve. It just goes, it's just a square, 45 degree angle where the wall hits the ceiling. That's right. Okay, so that's really hard to achieve that look. If you have that, then the builder had to work really hard to make that nice and clean. And the reason is because it's just hard to get these things to line up exactly and to not look stupid and to not crack and to all that kind of stuff. The molding was usually there because it hides all kinds of sins, basically. You probably have molding on the floor, um, between the floor and the wall, which is there to hide the fact that it's impossible to make the floor really flat. And the minimalist look is that look of, let's just have a 45-degree angle there with no molding. It looks cleaner and and sharper and more modern. But that takes much more work. It costs more in labor, and it's just sort of more effort to get that right than if you can just slap a piece of molding on there and cover up whatever mess you made when you tried to get the floor really flat or when you tried to get the wall to line up with the floor or whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, so, I, I think that's an excellent point. I think that Microsoft is their own biggest enemy right now, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I don't think it really they really need anyone like Gruber to attack them. I think they're doing a fine job of attacking themselves yeah. at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah don't worry. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll screw themselves seriously. So when you, look at, when you look at a MacBook Air and you look at probably – uh, or let's not take a MacBook. Let's take a MacBook, which is really just the equivalent laptop. Not, it's not like uniquely thin. It's just a laptop. Um, but enormous amounts of effort have gone into removing seams, removing lines, removing all kinds of things that would make it kind of non-minimalist. I mean, even just looking at the bottom of a ThinkPad versus the bottom of a MacBook and just the number of like vents and ribs and buttons. Like my, my, the, most ThinkPads have like a little modem uh, operating thing taped on at the bottom, like literally with cell phone, cell, cellophane tape. Right. They've got you know barcodes. They've got FCC stickers. They've got something here in Chinese. I don't know what it says. There's a oh, Windows right. light yeah, all the, all on the, the bottom. Yeah, all the stickers on the bottom. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, and there's like 18 different little holes and vents and clips and I don't know what and buttons and screws and uh, and when you look at the bottom of a if you just count the number of features on the bottom of a laptop and compare Mac versus uh, an Intel laptop, 
or a Win, Win, Wintel laptop. Uh, the Mac has far fewer. And every one of those screws, holes, rivets, seams, stickers that they've removed is, uh, was done at enormous effort. Like a lot of effort went into figuring out how to not have that thing be there. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, that's ironic because it seems like the best way to judge a laptop is to turn it over, right? The, the part you mm-hmm. don't see is more indicative of the design effort than the part on top, the obvious part, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you're right. I didn't even think about that. But if you flip any, even the nicer Windows laptop, like I have a, a Dell XPS 1330, which is pretty sexy for a Dell. I mean, it's very thin and very clean lines. But if you turn it mm-hmm. over, you're right. It's like a mishmash of labels and FCC tags and vents. That's where all this garbage went. And if you look on a if you look on a on a on a, on a MacBook like the, those labels, they won't do that, and they'll do it like in a silver colored paint that's carefully chosen to disappear as much as possible in the smallest legal font that they can put it on if there's something that legally has to be there. I got another neat one. Actually, my wife pointed this out of all people. But the uh, I feel like an idiot for saying this, but like camera phones have a little mirror on the back, like <laughs> so you can see yourself. I guess this is a big thing. Yeah. Like camera phones. Yeah. Take, taking a picture of yourself. It never yeah. occurred to me. I don't know why, but I, I was like, what those. is this shiny thing? I thought it was some you know, <laughs> yeah. piece of equipment. But she said, if you look at the iPhone, the Apple logo is the mirror. The Apple logo uh, is very, very shiny, and that's what it's for, right? Cool. Like it, isn't that cool? It serves the double use. They don't have to have this stupid, bumpy yeah. you know, truck driver mirror <laughs> hanging off the back of their phone. They have the shiny Apple logo. You can look at yourself and take a picture. So I thought that Absolutely. was very, very clever. I also something I talk about in my speeches a lot is how I think one of the reasons that people like the iPod and the iPhone is that seamlessness. And part of the reason that, that seamlessness is there, or one way that they achieve that seamlessness is they don't let you change the battery. There's no, because they don't want to have a battery cap. Like they don't want there to be a panel that you remove that has to have a seam all around it, that has to have little nubbins that you can push like to provide friction right. to remove it. And that's just a feature that they didn't want to have, and it wasn't worth it to them to let you change the battery. Right. They're like, just don't change the battery. It's something you do once a year. And uh, I think people don't like the honesty. There, there's certain honesty in consumer culture where it's like most people that buy phones are really going to just throw them away at the end or recycle them, hopefully. They're not really going to buy five batteries and use that phone for the next 10 years, right? Uh, yeah, Is I mean, there's thing? some usefulness. I, sometimes I forget to charge my phone, and luckily I've always got a battery that's charged. That yeah, I can just swap that's it. fair. But, I mean, the way I use my I'm I'm probably the worst example, but the way I use my phone, pretty much the, the embedded battery is a better solution for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's just a trade-off, but they sort of made, in order to get that minimalism, in order to get the clean the clean perfection kind of, you have to have you have to expend physical effort. You have to have people that are fighting for minimalism. You have to have people that are saying, let's just have one way to turn it off that you don't have to think about. Right. And then and, one way to turn it on and we just figure it out. Yeah. And 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 yeah, I know that there it's there's a good reason to have nine different ways of turning off a computer, but let's just fight to get it down to one. Right. And that takes a lot of fighting. And I think, actually, I have heard from, from uh, sources uh, that, that that is going on now at Microsoft, actually, in regards to the shutdown menu, at least. So we'll see if that some version of the operating system comes out with fewer ways of turning it off. Right. So bringing this back to what we're doing, and I think the reason this discussion is important is, like, I, I truly believe in this minimalism. And certainly if you look at my blog, it's like, I get very excited when I can remove something from my blog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I remember going through in the comments and removing the uh, remember my settings checkmark. I'm like, I'm just going to remember your settings, right? Yeah. I'm going to assume you want that. I don't want a checkbox that says remember my settings. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to think about that, right? So, right. And I think the same rules are going to apply to, to Stack Overflow. And, and actually, we're probably not going to Oh, yeah, cover- we have a name, Stack Overflow. Did you get that domain name? Yeah, we do have it. And it's I want to I talk a little bit about the voting process that went on. In your possession? It is. It is in my possession. I actually put up a little tiny landing page with a funny little cartoon. So if you're curious, you can go there and see it. Oh, I don't want to spoil the, the prize. 
It's uh, oh, it's got a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that. I know the book that that's from. Actually, I have yeah. that book. Yeah, I just like that. I just like the uh, the magic. So we're gonna make the magic happen, right? We're just gonna invoke the miracle at this point <laughs> and stuff. Because it feels like because you know what we're doing now, and I, I talked about this on my blog, is we're going through essentially uh, paper prototypes. I'm actually using a, a graphics editor because I, I actually suck at writing with uh-huh. pen. Uh, but that's what we're doing. Um, and the names uh, that we came up with, and I want to cover the top four. Uh, so the winner was Stack Overflow. In terms of voting, as I'm looking yeah. at the voting, there's 6,790 votes. Holy. Yeah, there's How a lot. How many? 6,790. Stackoverflow.com, one way. That's the population of Wyoming. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think even Wyoming does a little better than that. That's a lot of people. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Stack, Stack Overflow won with uh, 25% of the vote. Yeah. Uh, private void. Uh, yeah. uh, now, Joel and I talked about this, and we decided we liked Stack Overflow. There's a lot of names we liked, and naming is I'm, really I'm Joel. hard. Joel is me. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, you're, you're talking to our audience. I'm talking to the audience. I'm not talking to you anymore, oh, Joel. You're not even, you're just, you're just accidental <laughs> at this point. <laughs> the audience is totally imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it hasn't shut this off by now. <laughs> it's 37 minutes into this thing, I think. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, so private void. Now, Private yeah. Void, I just felt had weird connotations, and I think you agreed. It just yeah, like using the bathroom on some. It's level. sort of like a bat. Oh yeah, using the bathroom, or it's also a kind of a, a like like a Beetle Bailey kind of character. Like oh, he's a private in the void. army, and right. he's got no brains. Yeah. So we call him Private Void. Yeah. Then under that, uh, dereferenced. I kind of like dereferenced, but it seemed a little snarky, kind of like defamer. Like yeah, uh, it made me a little nervous. It had I don't know. It just seemed kind of like a negative. You know, I don't. I want to positive. Yeah. You know. Stack Overflow is positive. That's an awesome. <laughs> well, it's overflowing with awesomeness. That's the way yeah, I like exactly. to think about it. Oh, so, it's, a, it's a terrific name. Yeah, you, you, stack, you stack it all up, and you don't have room for all the awesome, so we're going to put some on our website. So that's, that's we should. I should mention to the listeners, since you're addressing our imaginary listeners, yes. uh, we're going to set up a, an email address somewhere. Do we have that yet? Uh, I can, but right. what do you have in mind? Uh, we'll just set up an email address. People can call in. And no, what, how do they call into an email address? They record a little MP3 file and email it to that email address. Or you know what? They could just email a question. We can read their questions, right? And no, no, we got, you got to get them talking. Definitely. Okay. All right. Totally. They got to email. So it has MP3. to be a recording of them asking the yep. question. Yep. You got to record yourself right. asking a question and a maximum or a comment or an idea or something that you thought of, and it's got to be like 90 seconds. Any more than that, and you're just cut off, dude because I'm not sitting here editing these things in Audacity. So just record a little MP3 uh, with a question, a comment, a suggestion, an idea, um, you know, or just love and affection, and email it to an email address to be determined. Yeah, we'll put that up. If we put, when and if we put these podcasts up, we'll... Yeah. I'll, Wherever I'll, you see I'll, these podcasts, look around there for an email address. We'll mention it in the next show. And uh, it works much better when you just, you're able to say, hey, and we got, a, we got this message here from Floyd in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. who has a suggestion, yeah. and then we can play it and talk about it, ridicule it. Yeah, but the reason I wanted to cover the, the vote is because really I, I do value, I mean, the whole reason I have my blog, the reason it's become this big thing is the community around it, and I wanted to yeah. you know, tap into that and have, you know, I, naming is hard, and you know, they should have a hand in that too, right? Yeah, um, and didn't say, I mean, Stack Overflow won by a lot, right? A lot. It, yeah. Not quite double, but close. And 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 that's that's enough to make you feel like okay we've touched this is a, this is the better name yeah although there were there were I, I, to be in the interest of, of fairness other got six percent so that other means to me all your names suck yeah so it, it beat other by a lot which is important because if you're not beating other then 
it's just noise. Then you have a bunch of bad names. Yeah. So so the final name I, I do want to talk about, the other one that beat other that was still a contender, is Humble Developer. Now, Humble Developer is good because mm. um, yeah. it's sort of the famous uh, essay, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, Edsger Dijkstra. I, I don't want to try to say it. <laughs> is it Dijkstra? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Dijkstra. Is that right? Is that the correct pronunciation? I'm yeah. horrible with pronunciations, but uh, it's, it's Dijkstra. The humble programmer is a really, really famous essay, right? And I totally believe in that. Oh. That's one of the first things as a developer yeah. you want to do is say, you know, I I suck. Like you got to acknowledge your own suckiness. Like that's. But you see, Stack Overflow is not for the humble developer. It is for the arrogant developer who hasn't bothered to RTFM and is now looking things up because he thinks he's so hot shit that he doesn't have to learn the programming language before he starts banging away code. And now he's run into a problem and he's asking people how to append to. Right, and, and, and that's fair. And I think people saw that and said, okay, Jeff, what you do on your blog, this is the closest. Um, and yeah. they're right about that. But what this site, Stack Overflow, is going to be doing is a little bit different than what I do. So that's why. Yeah. I do think it was an appropriate name for, for me because people were asking, I was like, why don't you just make it forums.codinghorror.com? And I was like, well, you know, I don't really – I'm trying to build something a little bit different uh, than that. And some of the other names that were suggested were quite funny as well. One that I liked, and I didn't get any feedback from you on this, was Development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> Those are you, you, the trouble is you don't want something that that can't be read out loud. Or yeah, that, that needs to be explained how to say. Like you want something that when you say it the first time, people who are literate in English will be able to type it the first time. Well, you know that coding horror gets misheard as coding whore a lot. You know that, yeah. right? <laughs> Ooh, I hadn't even thought of that one yet. See, there you go. Coding. Did you register coding ho? Uh, coding whore. I actually, uh, uh, my. We'll uh, just register it without the. It is registered to a friend of mine. Uh, actually, the Scott, the CEO of the company, used to work for Vertigo. Registered actually, uh, just for me as a gift. Actually, That's a very nice one. <laughs> coding ho. Coding coding ho, coding coding ho. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, well, that's okay. Codingslut.com is pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. And did you ever read? Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, coding. Yeah, coding slave. Yeah. Who's that? That sounds familiar. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, he's a, he's a character. Um, so what I have today is, is I have comps. I don't know how this is going to work on a podcast-type format. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you want to do that now? What is a comp? A design comp, in other words, screen Oh, yeah. These are like the paper prototypes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't you email those to well, me? Well, it's, it's in the wiki. You know where oh, it's is. in the wiki. Yeah. We are using Fogbugs. And I must say, Fogbugs is truly an excellent product. I have I have enjoyed using Fogbugs. I would buy it again and again. Good. It's broken. Uh, remember me. Why doesn't it remember me? Here we go. Okay. Uh, paper prototypes. All right, I'll have to go over this. Question is, do we want to do we want to like uh, put these up on the web somewhere where people can look at them? I don't think, based on the early feedback I've gotten from just trying to explain what we're doing, it was yeah. bad. Okay, never mind. Because it. people, you need something more for people to look at to see understand yeah. what it is. Yeah, so I gonna, think we need to go through at least one cycle on the paper prototypes before we show anybody anything. Fair enough. The people, the people, the first thing the people will see will be like a really really rough beta that just sort of has some basic functionality there. They can start giving us feedback based yeah. on that. Right, because you need, well, you've been through this a million times. I mean, people don't really understand what it is until you put it in front of them, that they right. can actually touch it in some way. I mean, that's why paper prototypes can kind of work, but I think it's better to have something a little more fleshed out. Okay. We should talk about, um, so we'll come back to this. Uh, we should talk about, you just, 
sent me a random email talking about some 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 of the horrible QA sites that are out there, like uh, like Askville. Is well, that the one there? I wouldn't say horrible. I think the problem that these sites have, and 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 actually, Jared, the other. Well, how do I beat a big daddy in Bioshock? <laughs> see, that's a great oh. question. But see, wait, but that's easy. Yeah, I just shoot it a lot. Uh, the problem these sites have is they're 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 everything, right? It, it, it's sort of like walking into Blockbuster, you know, back when right. we rented movies physically, and like, what do I want to watch? It's like, well, who knows? There's like drama, yeah. there's action, there's comedy. Yeah. Who knows what you want? Yeah, so, but when you're on the plane and there's only six choices, yeah, it's easy. Right, right. So I think having a developer community um, that's targeted around you know programmers and you know programming topics, and again, yeah. not religious stuff, but specific things you're trying to do. In a programming language or an environment, I think that narrows it down substantially. And also, I did I actually say, try asking some programming questions on Askville and got no, absolutely nowhere. Oh yeah, no, no, you can do a search, was, like search for yeah. C sharp or something, and you'll get yeah. this garbage. It's like the worst stuff you've ever seen. It's horrible. It's 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 at a much lower level than our audience will uh, will be at. The other thing I got to say is I, I'm glad we have a technical audience because mm-hmm. a lot of the users of these systems are very unsophisticated, as in the all caps answer type unsophisticated. What, um, will C sharp completely replace C plus plus? If so, by what date? <laughs> See, you should answer that one. I think you're uniquely, you know, skilled to answer that question. But that's just such a that's like a question that reveals sort of a a level of. Um, it's a stupid question. It, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's well, it's a, it's a it's a question that reveals kind of a lack of sophistication. Yeah. I remember once, uh, like, I was in uh, I was sitting in the computer lab at school. And uh, the, I guess I must have been a sophomore or something, but the, but the freshman class had just come into the computer lab for the first time, and they were all just sort of hanging out with the computers. And there was this one uh, uh, kid there who was trying to impress a girl, and she was, like, asking him all these questions and sort of, you know, trying to be a little bit, I guess, in a flirty way. And he was just sort of being, like, the man who knows everything about computers and telling her all the answers. Yeah. She's like, so what exactly is C++? And he's like, well, the history of programming languages is that they started out with a language called C, and then they improved that, and they made a language called C+. And we're now on this thing called C++, which is the most improved language. And, and he was saying that like he absolutely knew what he was talking about, just to sort of impress a... Well, I love that story, yeah. because the idea that the guy is totally oblivious to the fact that the girl's flirting with him is just too perfect. I mean, that, that happened... Uh, that was also true. I, maybe he wasn't oblivious. Maybe he was just kind of... Kind no, of I'm pretty sure. I mean, I... Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Some yeah. of these... But it's not that he was a geek. He was a sh- kind of more of a show-off. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's more important to us guys, right? Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, so before we let this go too long, we might want to yeah. actually end the, the podcast part. Let us end the podcast because we're because we, I think we probably want a maximum podcast length around an hour. Or so. Oh yeah, like even an hour actually is a little long. It's going to drive the people podcast. crazy. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to have to be a little careful. We might actually want to even edit this a little. What? I know. No, no, no. no I, I like know, your original I know, idea of the podcast. Be an hour, dude. That's the podcast has to be a side effect of the conversations we're having anyway. True, 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 true. So, so I think we just have to up. stay focused then. Yeah. Uh, so let's something go ahead just and... rang. I have to go pay the mortgage. Okay, so uh, so we're going to end the podcast for this week. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of something that will have a name. Right, and it can only get better from here. I just wanna... We have to think of, you know what, let's come up with a name. It's like Stack Overflow Podcast. Podcast Overflow, Stack Overflow. The, it's the Stack Overflow Podcast. Could be. That's terrible. We'll see.